Happy Turkey Day! Happy Thanksgiving, everybody! Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back at My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today, and I've been planning to do this for probably about a year or so, I'm like, you know what, I already watched it from, you know, my annual Thanksgiving movie. And I'm like, I want to do this for the podcast. So, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which was released in 1987, also rated R. Here's the synopsis. A a Chicago advertising man must struggle to travel home from New York for Thanksgiving with a lovable oaf of a shower curtain ring salesman as his only companion. This has got a 7.6 out of 10 based on 131,739 ratings. Starring Steve Martin as Neil Page, John Candy as Del Griffith. This movie was directed by John Hughes, so it is a Hughes film. We have Layla Robbins as Susan Page, Neil's wife. We Yeah, quite a cast of characters here. We got Kevin Bacon as the taxi racer, who... Neil Page races. They're both on opposite sides of the street. They're racing to get this one cab. We have Michael McKean as a state trooper. We have Dylan Baker as Owen. We have... Now, if you saw in the early 90s the show The Torkelsons, Olivia Burnett... Or Burnett? I don't know how you pronounce her last name. But she played Dorothy Jane Torkelson in The Torkelsons and the sequel show Almost Home. She plays Marty Page. She plays Neil's daughter, his oldest child. We also have <laughs> one of the Lawrence brothers. We have Matthew Lawrence playing Little Neil. We have Edie McClurg as car rental agent, this is such a memorable scene and a reason why this movie's got a flat R rating for the amount of F-bombs that Steve Martin's character, Neil Page, drops just in this scene alone is what got it. Oh, he's F-bombs. Oh my goodness, just, it's amazing. Um, Bill Irwin, also Home Alone Connection. John Hughes, John Candy, also in Home Alone. <laughs> if you've seen Home Alone, you know this guy in, was with his, you know, elderly man with his wife. Kate McAllister's trying to get home to Kevin, and she tries to barter with them if they will give up their ticket or tickets so she can fly home early to get to Kevin. (laughs) Oh my goodness, such a good movie. So I'm going to hold off on trivia and goofs and, oh, there, oh, that's right, there is a crazy credits scene. (laughs) Do we have any taglines? Packing the laughter, Steve Martin had no reason to panic until John Candy came along. Really? What he really wanted was to spend Thanksgiving with his family. What he got was three days with the turkey. Those taglines, they suck. They're not good. This was released November 25th, 1987. Let's see, we got some... Batsava, New York, filming location, El Rancho Motel, 
and Gurney, Kenilworth, Illinois. <laughs> oh, there's alternate ones? There, oh, there's added footage in the television version during the New York-Chicago-Wichita flight where Dell and Neil try to eat in flight. Okay, although it's not included in the theatrical or network cuts, a shot of Doug Griffith brushing his teeth was this, was included on ads for the network version. Also include an alternate version of the scene where Neil confronts the car rentality. This version, which has presumably been reshot, removes all the four-letter words from the scene. Alright. TV show version or TV version of the movie uh, show a scene during the first plane ride where they order dinner. Neil talks about which he meal, meals he orders according to what airline he's flying. Neil's dinner is lasagna, which due to various delays has been reheated several times. Unsatisfied, Neil gives a lasagna and the rest of his food to Dell, who shares it with the old man next to Neil. Neil keeps the brownie with his meal, but a lady in front of them throws her hair buck. Disgusting Neil, so he gives the brownie to Dell, who again shares it with the old guy, giving him the bigger half. I did not know that. Okay, so box office. 30 million estimated. Opening weekend only made 7 million. Well, it is Thanksgiving weekend, so not surprised. Grossed 49,530,289 or 280. Worldwide 49,530,280. All right. So, well, further ado, let's jump into planes, trains, and automobiles. It's funny because when the font, when the title comes up on the screen, you hear. A plane taking off, you hear a train for the word train, and then you hear cars for automobiles. All right, so we get a title card here that says New York City, two days before Christmas. So this is Tuesday. And we got a weird shot of this tall building reaching into the sky. Clearly, leave, trees are bare, leaves are gone. Definitely, everyone's wearing heavy coats because it is late November. Before we even see Neil's face, we see a picture of this watch on a wrist. As we see the time, it is 5.40. I believe when Neil tells Dell what he does for a living, he says he's in marketing, I believe. And he's sitting at this long table alongside Ferris Bueller's dad. I'm just going to go on a limb here and say they both share the same it's same, same universe. I'm just going on, on a limb and just saying that. Because we don't even get the guy's name. But I bet it's Ferris's dad. I mean, the guy played him, so why not, right? Both from Chicago. Boom. So we got... I'm guessing this is either a client or their manager is just... Looking at these giant, like, ones in color, ones in black and white. And he's just kind of looking at the, the same exact photo, just one's color, one's black and white. And I don't know whether they're selling, I think, maybe jewelry or gloves or something. And he just keeps looking and then looking at Neil and Ferris's dad. And then he, the, the guy keeps, like, he, he wants to say something and make a decision. But 
this guy just can't make it. He, but then he keeps looking at these giant. I mean, they're huge. They're like mini poster size. Maybe they're not. The picture isn't selling jewelry. I don't know what it's selling exactly because. You look at the picture, it's just of a woman's face. So Neil opens up his plane ticket, which says New York to New York JFK to Chicago O'Hare, leaves at 6, gets there at 6.45. Then it says underneath, for your holiday reservations, accounts up to 500 off on some sailing sinks for booking Marino's Easy Go. It also says seats 03G. And of course, you know, this is 87. This is before. Now we can just get the boarding pass on our on our phone. And just, you know, scan our phone as we're going in. Or you can have the paper version. That also prints out. And sometimes it's best, you know, to have both. So already, you can tell Neil is not in the best mood. He's getting very pissed off. He's mopping across the table to Ferris's dad. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta get your plane. He's getting royally pissed, which is understandable because even if you, I don't even know if in 87 you even had to go through security. But even still, it's like, you gotta fucking go. It's like 5.20. Your plane leaves at 6. I don't know where the f the airport is, but uh, you got to get your ass in gear. It's like, what the fuck? Oh, there's three. Because we look at the guy who's taken off his glasses, and he's looking at these three pictures. It looks like, all, like one's of a mouth. One is of a lady, kind of her head is bent down. And I'm not sure what the other one is in the middle. But they're three different ladies. And we see, other than Ferris's dad and Neil, we see one, two, three, four other people there in the room. One that's sitting in a chair might be a secretary. I don't know. But the guy, he leans forward like he's ready to make a decision. And then it turns out he just goes back to keep looking at the three pictures. And Neil and Ferris's dad leave the office and it's like, well, that's real nice. Keep us here that long just to say we'll reconvene after the holidays. <sighs> Two fucking hours staring at those three, sto you know, storyboard ideas, wherever the hell they are. And saying, well, we'll just reconvene over the holidays. Are you shitting me? I would be royally beyond pissed. Okay, so those ads were for... Those look like magazine layout ads, I'm guessing. But it's for cosmetics. Because Neil says they're selling cosmetics, not curing cancer. So I guess Ferris's dad is going to wait till 8 o'clock to fly out. And Neil's like, well, I'm just, you know, going to... Yeah, he told Susan, his wife, that he would be home by 9, so... Yeah. Well, I would think then, even then, wouldn't Ferris's dad also be late? Because everything gets canceled later, so. And then he's like, oh, shoot. You know, I get in a taxi, I get on a plane, I get home. Because he's saying how he left his gloves 
<laughs> he left his gloves in someone's office, and Ferris is dead. I, I got it. Don't worry about it. Just go. Just kneels like, ah, I'm not going to need my gloves. I know well. Oh, we see the guy's name is John, because Neil's like, he's getting in the elevator. He's like, see you tomorrow, John. <laughs> Have a happy holidays. And John leans in and, as the elevator doors are closing and says, you'll never make the six. Well, being the fact that it was like 20 to 6 when he was sitting there, I don't think he's gonna. I mean, that's when the plane leaves at 6. To mention, it's two days before Thanksgiving. It's gonna be Major Cray. So, yeah, there's a long-ass line of people waiting to get cabs. <laughs> you think you're just gonna be able to get a cab? No. So, Neil gets into a race with Ren McCormick from Footloose. I'm just going on a limb. I know that John Hughes didn't direct Footloose, but I'm just going to, like, it's him fresh off of Footloose, Kevin Bacon. I'm like, Ren McCormick's in New York. But this whole shared universe of characters. So he is across the street from Neil. They start running for this one cab. Of course, I love how... Uh, I'm just gonna call him Ren. He likes he gets the cab instead of Neil and does a little like marine like salute. <laughs> like uh, fuck you, I got it first, basically. <laughs> Neil. Oh yeah, he does a two finger salute <laughs> to Neil. Cause Neil, this will happen multiple times. He trips over something, lands in the road, almost gets run over by a car. Luckily he doesn't. But this happens, I swear it happens at least one or two more times in this damn movie. <laughs> so, Neil looks down and he sees this trunk that is plastered from with stickers from like all over the world. And it says Dell, it says, I think it's either Dell O. Griffith or Dell Q. Griffith. And it looks like he is also from Chicago because it says Chicago on there. So, Neil crosses the street because he sees this guy getting into a cab. He's like, sir, can I, um, yeah, he's like, hey, look, I know this is your cab. I'm desperately late to catch a plane. Can I appeal to your good nature and ask you for your cab? And the guy looks at him and just says, I have no good nature. And then Neil even offers to buy, like, hey, what if I give you $50? Will that work? And then the guy looks says, well, anyone willing to pay $50 would be more than willing to pay $75. And the cabbie's just sitting there like, come on, make a decision. I got shit to do. Let's go. And this guy, typical New Yorker, like, I don't have a good nature. Like, leave me alone. It's, he's like a tall, thinnish -er version of... Christoph Waltz, this guy. Same facial structure, all that. Well, Neil starts at 10, and then the guy just laughs at him, and he's like, uh, 20, I'll give you 20. The guy says, I'll take 50. And Neil's like, all right, all right. And then the guy says, well, anyone who would pay 50 for a cab would surely pay 75. And Neil says, not necessarily. All right, here's $75. And we see the cabbie helping Dell, who we'll meet, 
helping him get his trunk into the cab. So he's pretty much just coming in here and taking the cab. Like, these two guys are arguing. They can't make a decision. Bye-bye. And Neil says, you're a thief. And the guy says, close. I'm an attorney. Who cares? Neil says, have a happy holiday. And the guy says, this will help. I'm like, go fuck yourself, sir. You don't got money troubles. You're a fucking attorney. This will help my ass. So the guy waves to get another because, uh, taxi because that one drove off. And I'm thinking, you basically just paid 75 bucks to a guy for, for nothing now. That money just went down the fucking toilet. Neil actually starts running after this cab. And when the cab stops at a light, Neil opens the back door and says, Hey, you stole my cab. Get the hell out. And the, I guess the light turns green because the cab starts going. So, miraculously, Neil makes it to the airport. It is flooded with human beings all over the place. Just, um, it, oh my goodness. It's 5.58, so he made it just in time. He doesn't have to go to sec- through security, apparently. Alright, so it looks like his flight has been delayed, so... I guess even if he had gotten there late, it still would have been delayed anyway, so I necessarily didn't really have to hurry too much. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be delayed, but uh, it is what it is. The weather. You can't fight it. It'll work against you every time. So we go to the homestead. Funnily enough, you may recognize the outside of the house. It's the same house used... Three years later in Home Alone, exact same house, we meet Neil's wife, Susan, and we meet the three kids. I believe, Like I said, Marty is the daughter, the eldest. We have little Neil, played by Matthew Lawrence, and this blonde little baby in a high chair who I believe his name is Seth. We learned that at the end of the movie. And so they're talking about, Marty's asking about the grandparents. Like, when will they get here? Oh, is Grandpa going to give me noogies? And (laughs) her mom's like, yeah, he loves to give you noogies. And (laughs) little Neil asks, why don't I get noogies? And... His mom says, because Grandpa likes to give you Indian burns. Isn't that where you go and you like you take your two hands and put them on someone's arm and then you twist in opposite directions? That's an Indian burn, I guess. Or at least what they called it back then. <laughs> Little Neil says, I'd rather have nookies. Well, yeah, because Indian burns hurt. <laughs> Okay, I don't agree with this sentiment when his when the kids' mom tells Marty, of course he loves to give you noogies, that's how he means he loves you. I'm like, I don't like that. That is just weird. Especially in today's age. So clearly Neil tends to travel a bit for his job because Susan picks up the phone and of course Marty's like, Who is it? Who is it? And Susan's, shh, it's daddy. 
And right away, it's like a regular thing so much that Marty already can say, flight delay, like I already, yeah. So Susan asks Neil, what time do you think you'll be in? And Neil says, it shouldn't be any later than 10 o'clock. Don't ever assume you know, because you don't know. You could guesstimate till hell freezes over, and you're not gonna... Unless they give you an estimated time, any any time you give is just gonna be a lie. And Susan says, I'll wait up for you. Yeah, right. So, looks like we see the clock. It's 6.58, so an hour of time has passed. Neil's tired. He wants to get home. I'm sure everyone there who's also waiting wants to get home. And look who he's sitting across from. Hmm. Del Griffith reading the Canadian Mounted looks clearly like a smut novel. And Del isn't even reading the pages. He's actually looking at Neil from above the book. And Neil's looking at Del like he's trying to picture, wait, I know I've seen this guy. Where have I seen this guy? And then we flash back to the cab. Even Dell is like, he's trying to, he's looking at Neil like, dude, what is your deal? What are you looking at exactly? But Dell even says like, I, he's like, so you can appeal? I, I know you, don't I? And Dell says, well, I'm, I'm pretty good with names, but I'll be damned if I, I've forgotten yours. I'm thinking that's because he never gave you his name. You recognize his face, but not the name. And Neil says, you stole my cab. And Dell laughs at all. Like, <laughs> I've never stolen anything in my life. Like, what are you talking about? I love how the guy sitting next to Dell reading the paper does not even look up at this exchange. And Neil explains, you know, I hailed a cab on Park Avenue this afternoon. And before I could get in, you stole it. And Dell, I don't know whether he's just... <laughs> I don't, I don't know if he's like, yeah, you're the guy who's here to take my cab. I, I knew I knew you, yeah. It's like he totally, like, blocked out what Neil just said. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you scared the bejesus out of me. You know, it, it, come to think of it, it, it was awfully easy getting a cab during rush hour, which is weird. Neil's reading Forbes magazine. <laughs> and Neil's just like, you know what, forget it. And... Dell's like, no, well, I can't forget it. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he even starts offering him food. Like, hey, can I get you, like, a hot dog or a soda or something? Beer? Yeah, he says, that I had no idea that was your cab. Can I make it up to you? Let me make it up to you somehow. Yeah, like, hey, how about a nice hot dog and a beer? And Neil's like, no, no thanks. Del, how about just a hot dog then? And <laughs> Neil, he's trying to shut this conversation down. He's like, I'm kind of picky about what I eat. Like, you don't, don't give me anything. And Del says, uh, uh, some coffee then? He's always like, milk, uh, soda, uh, doesn't he, I think he even offers like a Slurpee. And every time Neil's like, no, no, no. Oh, tea. Yeah, some tea? Lifesavers? Slurpee? <laughs> and finally, Neil's like, sir, please. And Dell says, just just let me know. You know, I'm here. 
just if you want some, I'll get it for you. And he's really he's like, I want to make it up to this guy. I feel horrible now. He's just such the the most like sweetest kindest man you will ever 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 meet. He's like, yeah, I knew I knew you. I knew I knew you. I know you, don't I? I'm usually very good with names, but I'll be damned if I haven't forgotten yours. You stole my cat. <laughs> I've never stole anything in my life. I hailed a cab on Park Avenue this afternoon, and uh, I could get in it, you stole it. <coughs> You're the guy who tried to get my cab. <laughs> I know I knew you, yeah. You scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> I'm to think of it, it was awful easy to get a cab during rush hour. Forget it. I can't forget it. I am sorry. I had no idea that was your cab. Let me make it up to you somehow, huh, please? How about a nice hot dog and a beer? Uh, no, thanks. Just a hot dog, then. I'm kind of picky about what I eat. Some coffee. <coughs> nope. No. Soda? No. Some tea? No. Lifesavers? No. Slurpee? Sir, please. Just let me know. I'm here. <laughs> he knew I knew you. <laughs> this is something you should have... Alright, so now Neil gets into a disagreement. Mind you, it's like he's been pissed off since before he even left... You know, that meeting. I mean, it's just one shitstorm show after another. So, now he's going at it with the flight attendant. And she's like, this is something you should have discussed with the ticket agent. And Neil says, I didn't know he put me in coach. Because he's holding his ticket like, I got a first class ticket. Yeah, he's, uh, this order was placed over like a month ago or something like that. And she says, just wait till you land. You can go to the ticket stand and they'll, like, make up the difference. This lady is bitchy, but then again, Neil's being an ass to her anyway. So I can see where she's trying to be as polite as possible, but her nerves. Uh, she's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. First class is full. And he says, I have a first class ticket. And she says, you have a coach seat assignment, which is exactly what she's holding in her hand. So this guy must fly all this other guy here. Larry comes in, kisses Liz, the flight attendant, who on the cheek, you know, who Neil is bartering with or just getting into it with. And he's like, hey, where do I sit? And she's like, oh, anywhere's fine. Really, because you just said it was full. Now he can sit wherever the fuck he wants. Because this guy clearly flies all the time, knows Liz, flies in first class. Oh, Neil just watching this exchange. Like, Fucking hell. She, Neil t is told to save his boarding pass and he'll get a refund on the difference. And Neil just, he's had it. He's like, I don't want a refund. I want a seat in first class where I ticketed um, over a month ago as where I was booked and ticketed over a month ago well I don't 
I think it's because it was a different flight, a different plane and stuff. Maybe, so maybe things change, being this is a different plane and everything like that, and things get shifted around. I don't know. She is really losing her temper. She's like, look, I have had just about enough of you. So, Neil's, yeah, she's like, take your seat. He says, oh, you've had enough of me. First you delay me, then you bump me. I'm like, first of all, the flight attendant does not have any fucking control over what happens when it comes to delays and shit. They're just as hectic as you are trying to get shit taken care of when shit, you know, when the shitstorm happens. That's just how it is, you know. Don't blame the fucking flight attendants. They're just trying to do their damn job. It's an inconvenience, but shit happens. You gotta fucking deal with it. I mean, I thought, you know, well, you know, my flights to Michigan and stuff coming, you know, I thought, like, okay, yeah, on the aisle, on the aisle seat. I don't want to be by the window because I feel claustrophobic a little. So, <laughs> and the thing is, on my flight home, my last flight. I, it was like, there are two other people in that same row with me, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm on the eye, and they're, like, looking, like, they're showing, like, no, see, it, it goes on, on here, it goes, you're actually by the window, I'm like, but I, and why the hell would I think I was gonna argue with two people that are sitting next to me, I, I just suck it up, and I just, ugh, pain in the ass, uh, damn phone, I'm sitting down, my phone falls out of my hand. Somehow goes, like, under my seat or some shit. So now I gotta bug the guy behind me. Like, you see my phone? I'm, like, trying, like, to bend over and try. And there's, like, no damn room. The space between the seat in front of you and, like, <laughs> your seat. And I'm, like, I'm not seeing. So luckily, it's, like, I'm using my foot to kind of feel for my phone. I'm, like, I am not spending, like, an almost two-hour flight not having something <laughs> I mean, it, just, it stressed me out. But, I mean, they did have, and that was the first flight I'd been on where they offered, I think I flew Delta, because they offered a movie. And I don't think, out of the flights I've been on over the years since 2009, none of them, I don't think, had like a little movie screen in this, in this back of the seat that's in front of you. So, of course, I mean... They sold, like, little earbud things, like, you could purchase for, like, two bucks. I'm like, yeah, cool, cool. They had, like, a shit ton of movies on there. And, um, I think I played some of the Bodyguard. And it's kind of funny, because the lady who was sitting next to me in her seat, she was watching this movie. My eyes kind of kept, I mean, I couldn't hear what was playing on the screen, but I could see it. And I'm like, I kind of want to watch that movie. I kind of want to see that. I think it's called Loose. L-U-C-E. I think I think it might be on Hulu, so I definitely, I think I want to check that out. Because it looked, like, really interesting. Okay, back to the movie. Back to my, enough of my complaining about having to sit near the window and feeling semi-claustrophobic. And Neil is just like, I can't wait to see what happens next. Guess who's sitting next to him? Del. Who's on the aisle seat? Dell. He's like, is this a coincidence or what? Oh yeah. So the plane's taken off. We go over to O'Hare International Airport in Chicago. It's a fucking blizzard. 
Every single flight on there from NYC, LaGuardia, New Orleans, Des Moines, Chicago, Renault, Houston, and Baton Rouge, where they say delayed, they're all now going down. Bump, 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 bump. Canceled. Canceled. Because you see, it's like a storm apocalypse, a snowpocalypse at the O'Hare Airport, where Neil until they're supposed to land there. I, and you just see all these damn people that are just sitting at O'Hare Airport. Some are standing. Some are like, I can't stand anymore. I'm just going to sit on the floor. And they're just like, oh. So this is where Dell and Neil get formally introduced. Neil says, I never, Neil, Neil. Dell says, I, I, I never, we never did get formally introduced. I'm Dell Griffith. Neil says, I'm Neil Page. So Dell introduces himself, and then of course his place of employment, American Light and Fixture, and he sells shower curtain rings. Always the director of sales, shower curtain ring division. So he's got a little sample pack of shower curtain rings. Those ones look—they look very, very tiny. They look hideous, hideous samples. Oh, Neil's flipping through a GQ catalog or a magazine, and Bill Irwin is actually. I don't even think Bill Irwin even has any lines other than Neil's in the middle, Dell's on the aisle seat, and then Bill Irwin's he um the actor he's near the he's by the window i don't know what's worse. would you rather if you're flying would you rather be on the aisle or would you rather be by the window or i don't know anyone that wants to be in the middle that seems like the the third like the the worst spot to be because you're switched between you're just between two people i like the idea you know being on the aisle so that way if i gotta go to the bathroom i'm not climbing over two people to get there because when I was on my last flight home, I, like, I had to go to the bathroom. Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Dell introduces himself and his place of employment. And then Dell asks, you know, after he's going through his shower curtain samples, showing him off to Neil. He's like, uh, and you are? And Neil says, uh, Neil Page. So Dell asks Neil what he does for a living, and he does marketing. And Neil pretty much puts it out there right away, like, I, I don't mean to be rude, I'm not much of a conversational. So I noticed that on the plane rides that I took recently, like, some people, when they're getting seated, they're all sitting down, they're kind of like, oh, where are you headed? Where you come from? You know, the little small talk. Like, you're sitting next to someone for probably an hour and a half, two hours, or depending on the flight. And you just make a little small talk, just like, hey, who's your neighbor? All that good stuff. And then pretty much you just zone out. You do your own thing. You look at your phone. You you know, you read you whatever. You watch, you know, movies and whatnot on your phone or laptop or whatever. But, yeah, you just, you introduce yourself. Like, hey, where are you coming from? Why, why'd you go there? Blah, blah, blah. And then you just, you do your own thing. But, yeah, I don't really see people that don't really know each other just jabber on and just going into lengthy conversations and stuff like that, so. And Neil I, clearly is like, yeah, I really want to finish this article. You know, my friend wrote it. And I'm thinking, well, I'm sure that's bullshit. But it's the kindest way he can think of, like, I really am not into talking. Can I just read my magazine? Thank you. And Dell's like, oh, well, don't let me 
be standing your way. You know, the last thing I want to be remembered as is an annoying blabbermouth. I can't think of anything worse than some chowderhead that doesn't know when to zip his lips. And then Del, oh, and I think the only reason he'd even be able to do this is because he is sitting in an aisle seat. Takes his shoes off, and then he proceeds to take his socks off. And not only is he taking his sock off, he's taking his sock and kind of whipping it around in his hand, hitting Neil in the face. I'm thinking, okay, now you're just bordering on annoying. It's like to the point where you can be polite as you can. Granted, you're on a flight and you don't want to make a scene because shit, shit goes down. You will get just, you don't want to do that. You know, you just keep your cool. And Neil does to a point. But I'm thinking, leave your fucking socks on. Leave your shoes on. I doubt the flight is that long. I've never been on a flight where someone proceeded to take their shoes and socks off unless they were under the age of four. But even then, it's like, leave them on. Just leave them on. No one needs to breathe in your socks stink or your feet stink or any of that. You need to be considerate of other people that are sitting around you. I never did introduce myself. <laughs> Del Griffin, American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. <laughs> I sell shower curtain rings. Best in the world. Eh, they look ugly. And you are? Uh, Neil Page. Neil Page. Pleased to meet you, Neil Page. So what do you do for a living, Neil Page? Marketing. Marketing. Super. Super. Fabulous. <coughs> Isn't it nice? Uh, look, I don't want to be rude, but uh, I'm not much of a conversationalist. I'd really like to finish this article. A friend of mine wrote it, so... Don't let me stand in your way. Please don't let me stand in your way. The last thing I want to be remembered as is an annoying blabbermouth. You know, nothing grinds my gears worse than some chowder head who doesn't know when to keep his big trap shut. You catch me running off of the mouth, just give me a poke in the chops. I don't tell you to shut up. <sighs> Leave the shoes on, Dell. Oh, God. Oh. oh, that feels good. <laughs> I'm telling you. My dogs are barking today. <laughs> No, the sock. Leave the socks on. Oh. <laughs> Even the guy by the window is like, "What the hell are you doing?" And the old man's like sleeping on Neil's shoulder and coughing in his fucking face. Ew. Like I'm not a pillow. Get your head off my shoulder. Six bucks in my right nut says we're not landing in Chicago. Probably not. Yeah, the guy is like... Bill Irwin's character is like... His head is on Neil's shoulder and he's like coughing in his fucking face. I'm just like, what the hell? Get off. I am not a pillow. Yeah, I bet they probably really... That really would have been cool if those like neck pillows... Like travel pillows, you know, the really soft ones with the beads inside. If those things had been around then, oh my gosh. I'm trying to think. I don't know when those things were made, but they are great. 
So, of course, they got all the lights off, people are sleeping, snoring, what have you. And then <laughs> Neil turns to Dell, who opens his eyes and says, Six bucks in my right nut says we are not landing in Chicago. And hell no, they're not, because the flights have all been canceled. Now we are at the house. We see from outside it is snowing like cats and dogs. Right, Quinn? That's right, baby. You'd know that, wouldn't you? <laughs> so it looks like Neil lands in Wichita because we see that Susan gets a phone call from Neil. And she's like, where are you? He says, I'm in Wichita. And she says, Wichita, Kansas? I mean, are you all right? What happened? I'm thinking, what do you think happened? Their plane ends up having to be rerouted to another airport that doesn't have a uh, damn snow snowpocalypse going on right now. Well, she doesn't understand this. She's like, I don't understand what a snowstorm in Chicago, because he says we couldn't land at Chicago. She's like, I don't understand what the snowstorm, or Wichita, Kansas, has to do with a snowstorm in. Well, she. I guess she doesn't fly that often, and it's late at night, so her brain is probably foggy. But if you can't land at the designated airport, you're probably going to shoot for any other airport that will let you land that does not have crazy weather going on. And probably Wichita is probably the closest thing. So he tells her, like, what's going on is we took off from New York, they closed Chicago, so we landed here. So Dell goes over to Neil and says, hey, is there trouble on the home front? Because, you know, Neil was on the phone. And Neil's like, well, that really isn't any of your business. And then Dell comes in with, you know, a man walks a straight line between success at work and success at home. Dell's motto is, I got a motto, like your work, love your wife. So, Neil asks what the flight situation is. So, uh, Dell says, simple. There's no way we're getting out of here tonight. We'd have better luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Yeah, we'd have better luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than getting out of here by daylight. So, Dell and his funny little quips, he says, by the time the airline cancels this flight, which they will eventually, you'd have a better chance finding a three-legged ballerina. Oh, yeah, finding a three-legged ballerina than finding a hotel room. Because he's like, when we landed, you got on the phone to your wife, I called the Braidwood Inn. So, yeah. And he even offers Neil, like, hey, I'd be glad to, you know, I know the guy, so maybe we could, you know, work something out with him and get you a room if you, you know, get the cab fare. And Neil's kind of looking around. It's like, it's either that or spend the night at the hotel, or not the hotel, the, um, the airport. And he looks at this guy who's made a little spot for himself on the floor with his carry-on and his... Or his briefcase and his coat. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much going to be your situation. You're going to be sleeping on the floor of an airport. Having to watch your stuff. So he decides to take Dell. Neil decides to take Dell up on 
going to the Braidwood Inn. But of course, <laughs> gotta get through the cab ride first. And that is the most souped up vehicle I have ever seen. It's like on hydraulics. And even Neil, Neil was like, why didn't he take the expressway or whatever? Like, why are we? And I guess, well, because it's Doobie's cab. And <laughs> Dell asked Doobie, like, hey, Doobie, is it going to be much longer? And he's like, nah, no, no, no. It's just, uh, he's, one, your friend hasn't seen the uh, the area here. And, of course, Neil's like, it's the middle of the night. It's like pitch black outside. I'm not seeing anything. And, and Dale's like, yeah, I know, I know, but he, he's proud of his town. You don't get that very often. Oh, when, yeah, he, Neil says, you're saying I could be stuck in Wichita? And Dell says, I'm saying you are stuck in Wichita. Oh, another Ferris Bueller thing here. We got the teacher, played by Ben Stein, who is also the, uh, airport announcer. I don't even know what you would refer to him as. So, of course, flight's been canceled to Chicago, so you're kind of fucked. Destination nowhere. <laughs> and apparently, yeah, Neil does get on the phone to a hotel, and they don't got shit. They got nothing. And it makes me think of, you know, the, the storm here in Texas in, like, mid-February when... You know, when people were losing power, they t were basically trying to get into the hotels that still had power. And you could not find a fucking room to save your ass. Granted, when we had to, you know, get out of our apartment due to the water damage in the walls and all that, we basically moved into a hotel. The apartment complex was nice enough to work out something so they were able to get us, you know, a room. I mean, this was like the almost... The second to last day of February. So, but we were able to get something, which was definitely saved our butts. Right, Quinny? Uh-huh. You got that right, Quinny, Winnie. Neil actually has the nerve to ask, do you have any more hotels? But before he can even finish that sentence, the lady person is hung up on him. So I like that Dell. It's almost like it feels like he's kind of looking out for Neil a little bit. Like, clearly this guy... Just even though he seems well-traveled, he doesn't know what to do in a crisis. So it's like, hey, when you got off the plane, you called home. I called the braid went in. I know the guy, the manager, sold him some shower curtain rings, probably work out a deal. If you pick up the cab fare, I can get you a room. And Neil is just like, I don't... And then he sees this guy who is laying down with his suit draped over him like a blanket and he's got his carry-on as a pillow and he's right by that trash can it's like that could be you neil what are you gonna do take dell up on his offer i'd say you might want to do that so neil helps dell with his trunk and neil's like oh this is your trunk huh because that's the thing that he noticed when he was waiting you know trying to get a cab and all that he notices dell's trunk and Dell's like, yeah, you should try lugging this thing around New York City. I'm like, that. Plus, he's got like a blue, like, like carry-on type bag, like a little gym bag thing. And I think he's got some other things. Like, yeah, that's a lot of. I mean, usually not. I think they only let you take what one carry-on. I usually just bring 
you know, a book bag with me with just stuff that I, I just need for, you know, the plane ride. Wolf, Kansas. <laughs> oh my god, so many naked lady pictures of it. Ugh! He's a decent meal. I would never get in that. Where the yeah. hell is the motel? <laughs> no, these are much farther? Not much. <laughs> Why didn't you take the interstate? You said you're a friend who's never been around here, so I just figured you'd like to look around. I don't see nothing on the interstate, but interesting. The middle of the night. I know, I know, but he's proud of his town. You know, that's a damn rare <laughs> thing these days. This is, it's the coolest looking car from the outside. And it's on hydraulics, because, like, when it stops, it, like, lowers down. I'm like, I wouldn't ride in it just because of... Like, I don't want to see a bunch of naked lady pictures all taped to the ceiling of the inside of the car and just around like, eh, no, thank you. So, Neil kind of gets a look at this Braidwood Inn. We got a motorcycle parked outside. We got a couple that are walking into the Braidwood Inn and they're kind of shoving each other. I'm thinking, it's really not depicting the I, the great. I've never been to Kansas, but it's really like making this hotel look like it's uh, kind of semi slummy. Not a hundred percent, but uh, plus there's like curtains in the in the front of it, so you really can't see the interior. Here, here, this guy is also kind of familiar. Even the guy who plays Doobie, I swear, I, Doobie, I've seen him in something else. So when Della shows up, and then the guy Gus comes out, and it's like he's just pure smiles. Like, oh, how the hell are you, Dell? And Dell says, still a million bucks shy of being a millionaire. I like that saying. That's a cute saying. <laughs> I don't know, because Dell introduces him to Neil, and Gus says, glad to meet you, Nick. I'm thinking, Nick is so far from the name Neil, it's not even in the same. <laughs> so, yeah, Dell's like, hey, I told my friend here you might be able to hook him up with a room, Gus. And Gus is like, alright, yeah, you got a major credit card? Now, of course, this is 87. You got the little... <laughs> Type of credit card machines, so yeah. So Dell's got one of those discount credit cards. I don't know what those are, but uh, <laughs> and the thing is, I didn't pay attention first because the guy says, "Well, I'll have to charge you for a double as far as like you know a room with a double bed or or I think two double beds or something because when they see the room." There is one queen-size bed for the two of them. So they're both supposed to share this one bed. like. And he even says, you know, I got like half, because Dell says, you know, we're with, you know, the plane that was supposed to go to Chicago but landed in Wichita. And Gus says, you know, I got half your flight here, basically. 
which has probably been spread out to all the nearby hotels. So they got the last room in the whole ho uh, hotel there. So, And the thing is, Neil was under the impression he was going to get his own room. I and mean, that was the point. Like, you take care of the care pair, I'll make sure you get a room. Because he's like, oh, you mean sh share, share a room? Like, I mean, the, the room isn't bad looking. There's like this bright, shining red light outside. That would be a pain in the ass to sleep through. But luckily they got curtains to block that out. There's also a small little table with a couple chairs and a little like container for like to go get ice and whatnot. <laughs> there's also a phone. I'm trying to think if there's a TV in there. But there's one queen-size bed that I guess they're just going to have to bite them. Just deal with it. You see, like, D Neil's eyes kind of take in the room, and then, but he, like, crosses, you know, the room, but then goes right back to the fact that there's just only one bed in there. And then he turns, you know, looks at Del, who's kind of smiling, like, I really don't like this any more than you do. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's like, one can sleep under the cover. Flip a coin. One can sleep under the covers. One can sleep above the covers or however. I don't know. Uh, it's like, of course, they're trying to make small talk to take away the uncomfortableness of the fact that they got to share a bed. It's like, ah, hell of a cab ride, huh? Yeah, it's like, well, you don't see cabs like that very often, do you? I'm like, oh, no, no. Oh my god, and I, I feel like we've definitely come a long way from the whole, uh, two guys, you know, sharing over, I mean, come on, because Del's like, hey, you want to take a shower, and he was like, no, he's like, no, I mean, you want to take a shower first before I, oh, yeah, 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 of course, because Neil, he keeps flashing to that bed, the, I just, the idea of, like, we're going to share a, share a plane, and we're share a bed, so, Neil's taking a shower, he's just letting the hot water just hit him, just, like, take away the, like, ugh, stress of the day. And he looks up, sees the shower curtain rings, and he's just like, ah, shower curtain rings. Hey, the shower curtain rings save your ass, man. You got your room, granted you gotta share it with Dell, but, hey, you're not sleeping on the floor of an airport, right? So, we flash back between Neil taking a shower... So, yeah, we keep coming back to Dell and Neil. Neil was, you know, washing his hair. He's, you know, washing his face with soap. And all of a sudden, the water cuts out. And it's like, his eyes are stinging. It's just the worst time possible for that water to cut off in the shower. And Dell pretty much carries his whole life in that trunk. He's got his special pillow. He's got his 8x10 photo of his wife that he sets on the nightstand. So when the shower pops back on, it's hot, boiling-ass hot water. And he's like, ow, 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 ow. So Dale makes himself comfortable on the bed. Apparently it's a vibrating bed because he inserts a coin. He turns on the TV. Which I think pretty much all hotels now have flat screens. This one's just got like a like 21-inch, maybe not even that television on the dresser and Dell's also smoking a cigarette and I'm just thinking I 
I, I guess in 87 you could smoke in a hotel. I, I mean, if there's an ashtray there, but it's just like, ew, no. The hotel we stayed at, I believe you could smoke outside, like a ways away from the building. So in the time that Neil was taking a shower, Dell has pretty much occupied the entire counter. There's a half bottle of Pepto-Bismol. There's what looks like could be aftershave, mouthwash, Lister big-ass bottle, jumbo-sized bottle with barely any Listerine left in it. There's some other stuff, deodorant, foot odor, foot odor stuff, more Pepto. Like I said, I mean, he can't prep H and towels, and it's just like, oh, those were, oh, shit. Yeah, one, two, three, four. So those available towels that they give you, Dell used them all up. Fucking wonderful. So this all happened in the span of time that Neil was taking a shower. The only towel left is the dink-ass washcloth that now Neil has to try to dry his soaking wet body with. <laughs> and there are two towels. Okay, so there's a total of, what, five or six towels? Just about every damn one of them has been, uh, has been used. Two that are on the floor now. Either that or I'm going to go on a limb and say this room was never cleaned prior to them checking in because, come on, those towels on the floor are sopping ass wet. So my guess is, what, the toilet's leaking or some shit? I don't know. Yeah, we see one, two, three, four, five spaces for towels to go. So at least six towels were used and the only thing left is the washcloth. I love how Neil... When he gets out of the tub, I'm sorry, a bunch of popcorn. <laughs> he tries to stand on his tippy toes, and the floor is sopping wet, too. It's like someone's breaking a bone. And Neil really like, I guess i got to use this washcloth to dry myself. <coughs> so now the lights are off. They're in bed. Neil's trying to get comfortable. And Dell even offers, you know, I'd switch pillows with you, but I'm allergic to sponge. That's why I bring my own pillow everywhere. I'd be sneezing all night with that other one. Now they're dealing with a beer, a beer spill, spill on the bed. And Dell says, well, I never knew those beer cans would blow like that. And Neil says, you left them on a vibrating bed. What do you think was going to happen to them? So... <laughs> Dell is like, well, it's been a long day. It didn't occur to me. And Neil says, it didn't occur to you. So I have to sleep in a puddle of beer. I don't even, uh, no, you, you made the best. You sleep in this puddle of beer. Oh my gosh. And Dell even asks, like, hey, I'll switch you with you. You want to switch? And Neil's like, no, I just, I just want to get some sleep. So Dell decides to read in bed and uses a lighter. So he can read. I'm thinking like that. Ugh, that's probably not a good idea. But the thing is, also, it's quiet. You're hearing all the cars on the interstate and everything nearby that hotel or motel or whatever. I would, excuse me, I would have to have some white noise or something to drown out that silence. So Dell is, honestly, I understand kind of Neil. 
everyone hits a breaking point, especially when it comes to people with just being annoying. Because now Dell is cracking his knuckles, and then he's, like, clearing his sinuses or nostrils or whatever, like... <laughs> and eventually, Neil is like, he can't fucking take it anymore. And, and, and Dell's like, well, I have to clear my sinuses or I'll be snoring all night. I'm like, then get some... Oh, they didn't have Breathe Right strips back then. Never mind. <clears throat> Which, really, honestly... Don't work all that well, because I'm like, uh, if you're sleeping on your back, that shit ain't gonna help you. Because Jeremy uses the Breathe Right strips. Oh, he's even cracking his neck. Do that shit before you get in the bed. Seriously? And poor Neil is just, he's trying to sleep. Okay, so we cut back to the house. Susan's in bed, and when you hear the TV on saying, like, Flights are slowly moving out of O'Hare as the weather's starting to clear. Jeremy always says this, like, calls me Dell because I, you know, I, I do that sometimes. But I'm not doing it throughout the dang night, though. This is just nuts. I don't know anyone who would be able to put up with this shit. I know he's not intentionally doing it to be, you know, a jerk or anything like that, but it... I was going to say, maybe don't sleep on your back if you had have issues with your sinuses. I mean, my God, this is... Neil, finally, he's had enough, and he just unloads on Dell. Why? Why? Seriously? If I don't clear my sinuses, I'll snore all night. If your kid spills his milk, what do you do, slap him in the head? What? What? What is that supposed to mean? You're not a very tolerant person. You've been under my skin since New York, starting with ripping off my cab. God, you're a tight ass. Would you like a mouthful of teeth? Oh, and hostile, too. Nice personality combination. Hostile and intolerant. That's borderline criminal. Screw you. You spilled beer all over the bed. You smoke. You, you, you mess up the bathroom. Who let you stay in the room? I even let you pay for it so you wouldn't feel like an intruder, which you most certainly are. I'm an intruder. Yes, you're an intruder. I was having a perfectly nice trip until you walked into my life. I walked into your life. Who was that who talked my ear off on the plane? Who was that? I'm curious. Well, who told you to book a room? I did, out of the goodness of my dumb old heart. Boy, you're an ungrateful jackass. Well, go ahead. Sleep in the lobby. See if I care. I hope you wake up so stiff you can't even move. You're no saint. You've got a free cab. You've got a free room. Someone who'll listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking, eventually I started reading the vomit bag? Didn't that give you some sort of clue, like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it? You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are, that are funny or, or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. <coughs> Honey, I'd, I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Boy, here's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. I, I, I could tolerate any, any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, how can you stand it? I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. You know what that'd say? They'd say... I don't know what you mean. Shower curtain ring guy. It's, it's like going on a date with a chatty Kathy doll. 
I expect you have a little string on your chest, you know, that I pull out and have to snap back. <laughs> Except I wouldn't pull it out and snap it back. You would. <laughs> By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. So yeah, clearly, I'm not going to repeat all that. Neil's been holding that in since Dell ripped off his cabs. It's every little instance, everything from the jabber John on the plane. And Neil also saying, look, did you notice when I started reading the air sick bag that, hey, maybe this guy isn't into it? Maybe we're going to shut up. And, and, and just this and this and this. <laughs> Oh, and you just look at Dell's face, and your heart just breaks for him. <sighs> and then Dell hit, hits hits Neil right in the core. It's like, yeah, throw those hurt, hurtful words at me. I don't care. I can take it. You know, I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you, but I, I I'm not. I don't like to hurt pe people's feelings. And he says, you know, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. And I'm the real deal, you know. I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. It's like, I'm not a fake, you know. I mean, everyone's got things that are annoying off that people just can't stand. But it's, and just... And I honestly, either this is Neil's personality, or he has just a, been a short fucking fuse since... He was in that meeting and just ran like, I gotta catch a fucking flight and need to get the fuck out of here. And then the whole, I need to get to the airport. Someone stole my cab. I got bumped to coach. I'm not in first class. Like, I was booked and ticketed a month ago. Just one fucking thing after another. And then I have to share a bed with this guy that he clearly can't stand. Just these little instances getting, putting these two people together. And it's like, yeah. Dell kind of tells Neil how it is. It's like, yeah, I could be like you. I could be a cold-hearted sick that picks someone apart. Like, yeah, throw your daggers, throw your daggers at me. Get your, you know, if it, it makes you feel better. But I'm not like that. So yeah, and and the whole time while Dell is saying, you know, Neil's basically getting ready to go sleep in the fucking lobby. I guess. Ugh. And then finally, I guess, Neil decides just to get back into bed and just deal with it. So, yep. 
That's the thing. I mean, yeah, even I could see myself getting agitated with Dell. Anybody probably could. Because, you know, the people just sometimes they push your buttons, but it's how you react to it and whether to the point you're bottled all this up and you're just the type that you're going to blow your damn top and just unload on a person. Alright, so it's the next morning. We see that Delve's nightstand here has got his picture of his wife. He's got three Miller beer cans. He's got an empty box of Cracker Jacks, some chiclets, cigarettes. I think there's a couple candles there. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff. Also, while they were sleeping, they were sleeping pretty soundly because someone was able to break into their room with a switchblade and steal all the cash out of their wallets. So, now we get to Neil and Dell basically spooning. Dell kisses Neil's cheek and his ear, which I'm guessing maybe that's just how it was with, you know, him and his wife. And Neil is holding Dell's hand. Mind you, they're both asleep. And Neil wakes up first. He's like, Dell, why did you kiss my ear? And then Dell slowly opens his eyes and he asks, why are you holding my hand? I'd be, like, I'd be more like, why did you kiss my ear? That's just weird. So, yeah, they realize they're a little too close for comfort. And Neil asks Dell, where's your other hand? And Dell says, between two pillows. And Neil says, those aren't two pillows! And they cannot get out of that bed and away from each other fast enough. Oh my gosh. Of course, to try to make it as uh, less awkward as possible, they start bringing up the Chicago Bears. Like, hey, how do you think, what do you think about the Bears? You think they're going to win it all? You think they're going to have a winning season? It's anything to try to lighten the awkwardness that they were basically just spooning. <laughs> oh, this is so gross. Neil goes into the bathroom, cups some water in his, his hands to actually wake himself up. And then he smells like his hands, you know, are wet with water. He's like, what is that? And he looks down. Dell's socks are in the fucking sink with water filled up in the sink and they're dirty and it's just <laughs> gross just so nasty and of course Neil's like okay I gotta dry my face and he takes <laughs> what do you think is a washcloth like no you used that last washcloth last night to dry your damp body no, it's Dell's underwear. And then you hear Dell, hey, Neil, do me a favor, take my socks out of the sink. Okay, first of all, it's late December, late November, right? They're in Kansas. You saw it, there's snow on the ground, it's cold. You're not wearing those socks. No way in hell are you wearing those wet-ass socks. How, where do you think they're going to dry? Just stick a sopping wet sock on my foot. It'll dry as I walk. No, it won't. And I really don't think you want to have a sopping ass wet sock when it's like below 30 degrees outside. 
I, I think you're going to make yourself sick. <coughs> so we cut back to the house. Neil is getting a hold of Susan, letting her know he's still in Wichita. He's like, you slept at the airport? And he's like, no, I split a hotel room with, uh, or shared a hotel room with a guy I met on the plane. Oh, my gosh. And Susan just can't believe it. She says, you shared us a motel room with a stranger? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? And he's like, not yet, but I'm getting there. So Neil and Dell are having a breakfast at the little uh, restaurant that looks like a semi-Denny's that is right near the motel. So... Dallas, like, hey, Neil, did you get a hold of the air the airline? And Neil says, yeah, but I mean, they they basically all booked up solid, but um, there's a good chance I could get on a standby. And Dell says, if somebody told you that Wolverines made good pets, would you go out and get one, or would you believe them? And Neil says, I am not spending Thanksgiving in Wichita. I have a family waiting for me. It's like, my parents are coming, and my wife's parents are going to be there. I got to be there. And Dell's pretty much telling Neil how it is. It's like, well, you ain't getting there by airplane. I mean, uh, airplane uh, airport's got 18 hours of uh, backed up traffic, so uh, or uh, backed up air traffic, so you ain't getting home by plane. Dell says, any way you slice it, we're going to be having our turkey roll right here. Neil asks Dell, well, it's like, if, if we can't get home via plane, then how are we going to get home? Dell's got a little trick up. This guy, well-traveled man, he makes friends all over the place. like, I got a buddy, works in the railroad. And Neil looks at him like, a train? <laughs> like, well, how else? You ain't going to get there by plane? Train's the next best thing, I guess. I've never been on one. God bless. The shower curtain rings. They're saving Neil's ass. Uh, and honestly, I really think, I mean, with Dell being so well-traveled of a traveling salesman of, you know, the fixture and light <laughs> shower curtain rings, this guy has helped Neil up constantly, like, got him a room, got him a way to get to the hotel. To the motel and all that stuff. He's going to hook him up with a, a train ride and all that stuff. He's even got uh, someone who's able to take them to... Apparently, the train don't run out of Wichita unless, you know, you're a hog or cattle, according to um, Owen, who is the son of the guy that knows Dell. So, <laughs> says train runs out of Stubville. So they're going to Stubville. So Neil pays for the bills. Like, I pay for everything else so far. Why break precedent? And tells like, you know, you're making me feel like a freeloader. Neil's like, look, get me on the, on the train and we are square. We are, we're even, right? All right. Neither of these guys looked in their fucking wallet until it's time to pay the damn bill. And now Neil looks, sees his wallet is empty of cash. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, Neil's looking at Dell. And Dell's looking back at Neil like, what? And Neil says, you know damn well what? I had over $700 here. Are you 
fucking, are you kidding me? Who in the hell in 1987 or in 2021 is carrying $700 in cash in their billfold? Hells to the no. Unless you want to get your ass robbed, you're not carrying that much cash on you. So, yeah, Neil's accusing Dell of being a thief, you know, because, you know, Dell went into Neil's wall to get, you know, money for pizza and maybe he just took more money than he should have. And it's like, no, hell no. And Dell pulls out his wallet and says, there, count it. There's $263 there. If there's any more, you can call me a thief. So Neil opens Dell's wallet. Bone dry, empty, no paper cash whatsoever. It's fucking empty. And that's when Dell realizes they were robbed. You were robbed. And Neil says, you think? That's the last time they stay at the Braidwood Inn. They're not getting a good review on Yelp, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, oy, oy, oy. And I'm just thinking, if Dell had that kind of money in his wallet over 260 some dollars, why the hell wasn't he helping out for the pizza? He could have helped out with, you know, although they were taking credit cards for the motel. But anyway, it's like, come the fuck on. Not to mention, depending on how he, uh, Neil had that doled out, the $700, if that's in 20s and 50s and it's $700, that's a bulge. You're going to feel that. Like, my wallet feels lighter than normal because guys normally, what, they put their wallet in their back pocket most likely, right? You're going to feel that bulge. You're going to feel that weight, you know, weighing down your, your butt cheek or whatever, right? You know, so like, and even still, it's like even when you go to put the wallet, because you probably left it, most likely left it on the nightstand, same as Dell, you know, why the hell is this so light? And then you look like, duff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now they're kind of sitting waiting for um, Owen to show up to take them to the train. And Dell's saying, you know, I think what we're dealing with here is just a regular criminal. He didn't take any of the credit cards. First of all, if you're going into a room, it's dark, and you're robbing someone, you're most likely, in 87, probably going for cash. You take credit cards and try to use that shit, you're creating a paper trail. Yeah. And plus, most likely, time is of the essence. You're in the dark. You're stumbling. Well, here, just pull cash out of the wallet and boom. I'm not saying I'm an expert because I would never do anything like that. So, yeah, here comes Owen. i got to play this. This guy, oh, with the chewing tobacco and just like. He's <laughs> worse than Dell. But this guy is abusive to his wife. He's got a wife who's holding a baby and got like a two-year-old in the car. And, you know, Dell's got his trunk. And they, Neil and Dell go to, you know, lift it in the back, and Owen's like, leave it. And he tells, he yells at his wife, get your ass up there and get that trunk in the back or something like that. I'm like, damn, this short little stub of a lady. Oh, my God. And the fact that Owen's like, she may look small, but <laughs> she's tough. Her last baby came out sideways. She didn't cry or nothing. She didn't struggle or nothing or holler or nothing. Or, oh, my God. Small time, bro. 
He didn't take the credit cards, right? So we charge our way home. What kind of plastic you carry? I've got a Visa and a gasoline card. Oh, and I've got a Neiman Marcus card in case we want to buy a gift for someone. Fuck. What have you got? Chalmers Big and Tall Men's Shop. It's a seven-outlet chain in the Pacific Northwest. Great stuff. Unfortunately, it does us no good here. Just get me to the train station, and I'll take care of everything else. Oh, I got that all covered. Gus's son's gonna pick this up. Oh, Gus's son, Owen. <laughs> oh, God. <coughs> this is not him, is it? Gee, I hope not. Oh, boy. Gosh, you look so young there. Ugh. Are you Gus's son? I'm Owen. You shower curtain, fella? Yeah. Yeah, Del Griffin. How are you? Nothing he's wearing gloves. Ew! He just wiped his spittle and then shook Neil's hand. Gah. I'm to drive you to Wichita to catch a train? Yeah, we'd appreciate it. Train don't run out of Wichita. Unless <laughs> you're a hog or a cattle. <laughs> People train runs out of Doug, Bill. That'll be fine. That'll be just uh, fine. Whichever, wherever. Just get us there, please. <laughs> Leave it be. Get your lazy behind out here and put that trunk up in the back. <laughs> oh, no, no. The work we've got, it's very heavy. She don't mind. She's short and skinny, but she's strong. Her first baby, come out sideways. She didn't scream or nothing. Uh, yes, uh, that's something. Yeah. You're a real trooper. <laughs> we got it. We got it already. I figured we're already holding it. You know, stop building a little further than Wichita. Oh shit. How much further? Thirty miles. Oh god. Maybe forty. No more than forty-five, though. Depending on which way he goes. If he goes the back roads, it could be anywhere up to seventy miles. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> this guy is so abusive. Just emotional abuse. Oh, to his wife. Horrible, horrible. Oh man. But yeah, they're in the back of the truck. Of course they are. And Dallas is wearing a heavy jacket. Neil is wearing what he came from New York with, which is probably just an overcoat over his suit jacket. It's very, very light material, not made for, you know, the the cold, cold-ass weather. I mean, he's from Chicago. That, well, doesn't get, he just thought he was getting on a plane to go home. He didn't think he'd be being driven through the damn countryside in the open air in, like, late November. 
Because, and, so yeah, they got to run in the back. There's this, like, Australian cattle dog that's got an attitude problem. Because Neil, remember, he left his gloves back in uh, New York. And Ferris Bueller's dad was going to, you know, give them to him when he sees him again. So, <laughs> sans gloves, right? He sees that there's some work gloves in the back because the back is, of the truck is covered with straw or hay or whatever. He goes to reach and up pops this dog that it just, you're not going to take those gloves. It's like, good grief. Poor Neil is just like struggling for body heat. Oh my gosh. And then he's like, uh, how far is it to, to Stubville? Because it's apparently farther than Wichita, like 30 miles, maybe 40. And Neil's like, well, what do you think the temperature is? Uh, and Del's like, uh, one? Holy cow! Oh, God! Oh, they're going to be freezing their ass. Their, their whole bodies are going to be, like, icicles. Yeah, it's like got like wind burn, wind chill burn, or whatever you want to freezer burn. I don't know. Their faces are just like, like so cold. It's frozen their faces. Ugh. Even the dog's face is it's got a dusting of snow, and it's like still growling. So yeah, got their tickets for the train. They're not going to be sitting together because, you know, it's the holidays and the train's full and all that. And Neil thinks he's going to try to get some sleep. I mean, he does a little bit. He's actually sitting next to, I think it's John Hughes' daughter because she, she's sitting next to Neil flipping through a, um, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Ah, what is it called? Uh, some magazine that's got family ties on the cover. So, of course, Neil starts walking away and does like, no, Neil, I need your address so I can pay you back for the ticket. And Neil says, no, it's a gift. It's it's a gift. Consider it a gift. And Del's like, no, 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 no. Just just tell me. I want to pay you back. And Neil says, Del, come on. It's a gift, all right? And you kind of think, like, this would be where they part ways. Like, no, 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 no. No, no. We're not there yet. We got a ways. This. this couple of guys has got some more adventures to be had together. Ah, <laughs> uh, Neil, you shouldn't have said that. He's like, hey, you going home for Thanksgiving? Yeah, me too. Just about going to make it. What happens? The damn train breaks. What the heck? What is planes, trains, and automobiles? So, yeah. Alright, so, what we're getting from the conductor as he's telling Neil, walk a mile, mile and a half there to the highway, those trucks will take you to Jefferson City and you should be able to get on a... I'm guessing they're getting on a bus from there? Like, oh my, one thing issue after another. And mind you, when he says a mile and a mile and a half, they're not walking down a stretch of road. Oh, no, no, no. They're walking through some bumpy field that looks like it's been plowed not too long ago for, like, potatoes or something. Poor Dell, who's, but you got this giant-ass trunk he's trying to, like, shuffle along with, along with everyone else. They all got luggage. So Neil goes and grabs the other end of Dell's trunk to kind of help him out a bit, so...
Yeah, they're not in Kansas anymore. They made it as far as Jefferson City, Missouri. There is a man who, if he wasn't smoking that cigar, I would the one sitting next to Neil, I would say this man is clinically dead because he is not moving. He has a shoebox with white mice that have chewed their way out and they're running up and down his leg and his body and it's just like, literally, like I said, if this smoke wasn't coming from the cigar that's sticking in that man's mouth, I'd say that that man was deceased, that he is clin clinically dead because he ain't moving, at least from what I can see. He doesn't interact with them. <laughs> so apparently Neil, because Dell asked like, hey, you ever traveled by bus before? And Neil just like, mm, no. <laughs> and Del says, well, uh, I can say your mood probably isn't going to improve. <laughs> like, yeah, prepare for like, oh. It honestly, compared to the train ride, this just really feels like this bus is very cramped. Like, no elbow room. We got a kid that's got a couple pinwheels, and he's wearing some weird, like, helmet of sorts going up and down the aisle. And then we got, across from Neil and Dell, we got a couple of blonde-haired rocker-type people, just typical 87. I'd say, I'd put those people in like 19, early 20s. Literally making out like they're in a motel room ready to go to pound town. And I'm just like, because Dell is one like, hey, Neil, check that out. Better than a movie, huh? And Neil's looking, and then you see this, the guy, like, kissing the girl. And he's, like, bent over practically into the aisle. Their heads are practically in the aisle. And he looks up at Neil and says, take a picture, it'll last longer. I'm thinking, you don't need to be doing that on a bus full of people. There's a place to do it, and on a, on a bus seat is with a bus full of people is not the place to be making out like that. Making how hard is what I'm saying. I think there's like a little bathroom on that bus. That's got to be what that is. A couple guys from, like, the the Navy, maybe? Sailor? Uh, maybe? I don't know. I love how Dell is so chill during this bus ride because he's, uh, <laughs> he's got his drink, he's got his soda, he's got his, I don't know what those are, cashews or something, but he's got those too. So Dell breaks into Neil, like, I gotta tell you, uh, our tickets are, these bus tickets are only good until, like, St. Louis. <laughs> says, St. Louis to Chi-Town is booked tighter than Tom Thumb's ass. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure they're trying to get all that airport traffic that's been booked up for the last, like, 48 hours getting those people out. And again, another example of Dell just making friends everywhere he goes. He's got all the people on the bus just chanting theme songs from TV shows and all that. And of course, they finish out a song. It's like, anyone else got a song? Anyone? 
And Neil's like, oh, I got one. And he's like, all right, Neil Page, what do you got? He's singing something about coins and a fountain, and no one knows that song. Because they all turn and look at him like, what the hell are you even singing? So Dell kind of saves the day with starts singing the theme to the Flintstones song, and everyone knows it. Oh, th is this a song about Thanksgiving? Something about Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> Everyone turns to look at him like, what? No, no one knows that song. No. Okay. There we go. Oh, they made it to St. Louis. Alright, leave it to Dell to be able to try to get some money so they can try to get a little farther than St. Louis. These people, even in 87, they are very gullible because he is selling these shower curtain rings like their earrings and they're like five bucks a pop not a big deal i mean in 87 five dollars were probably more like ten dollars back then but and people are buying it and he's even like these teenage girls like you know this makes you look like more like you know, like 18 19 you know even college age and the girls just fork over the five bucks each and i'm like yeah well hey they got enough to get them some din din at um a diner somewhere. Oh my gosh, this ladies are buying it. One is like a Diane Sawyer ring. One is a Czechoslovakian ivory, he says. And you actually see this one lady, you know, with the tinted 80s glasses, you know, wearing one. Oh my, oh my gosh. Walter Cronkite moon ring. This white <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Oh. Heavy with the makeup, though. Heavy with the makeup. That must have just been, you know, the times. Like I said, I was born in 82, and I was, by this 87 of that of Thanksgiving, I would have been five, so. Just seemed like a lot of people back in the day just caking that makeup on, caking it on, pack, packing it on. Yeah, this one was actually done in um, Family Guy. There was a, a spoof of this where, because Dell's got some that are like clear, and he says these ones are filled with helium. That's why they're very light. There's a spoof about that in Family Guy where Peter's like, look, I just spent the last of our money getting these helium-filled earrings or whatever. <laughs> They're filled with helium. That's why they're very light. An, <laughs> an autographed Daryl Strawberry earring. These people are buying this shit. They are full on buying it hook, line, and sinker. We were, were we a gullible people back in 1987 that we were believing that shower curtain rings were earrings? Okay, <laughs> I guess.
So Neil goes to, you know, call home from a payphone. I love how he's, like, holding on by the barest of fingers, the top half of the phone, so the bottom half is, like, barely touching his mouth. Of course, there's no one home because his wife is at daughter Marty's school Thanksgiving day pageant, and she's like, I'm thankful for my dad who's going to be home for Thanksgiving. Well, let's hope so. He's getting there. He's trying. He's trying. These three girls, who probably are like maybe 16, 17, and Dell's like, you know, those earrings make you look older. I mean, not just a little. I mean, you could pass for 18, 19, and girls, the girl, three girls all fork over like $5 each. So Dell's pretty much telling Neil what Neil already knows. It's like, eh, my daughter's school pageant. And Dell says, yeah, those are the precious moments, too. They don't come back again. I'm thinking, I'm sure he yeah, they're eating. Uh, they're eating good. They're eating good at some uh, diner. Yeah, they're using uh, Dell's earnings from his pa pawning off his uh, shower curtain samples as like autograph earrings from different uh, pop culture figures. <laughs> so I'm gonna play this clip here as Dell says. Uh, Neil says. I've been spending too much time away from home. He's realizing, like, my work is just taking me away from my family and my kids. I gotta, yeah, maybe try to find something that you're not traveling a lot. Maybe even a Monday through Friday kind of thing. So you have weekends off to spend with your wife and kids. But the thing here, here's the kicker. And it's gonna come back later on. As Del says, I haven't been home in years. And Neil just kind of, was like, Really? And Del just kind of, you know, he's like, yeah, it's an expression, you know. But there's truth in that that isn't really revealed at the moment. Like, that comes later on. Did you call the wife? Ron was home. Probably at my daughter's Thanksgiving pageant. Mm. <laughs> missed him. Uh, I'm sorry, those... Those are the precious moments, too. They don't come back again. Oh, of course not. I've been spending too much time away from home. I haven't been home in years. What, seriously? No, it's a figure of speech. You know, I'm on the road so much, it's like not being there yet. By the way, I called a good friend of mine at Eastern Airlines. Doesn't look good. I know, I called all the airlines. <sighs> Well, at least we're still sitting on over a hundred beans for my brilliant idea. Terrific sales. You know, uh, I've been thinking that uh, when we put our heads together, you know, we've really, we've really gotten nowhere. Are you serious? You know, I think I'm holding you up. Oh, no, don't say that about yourself. That's not true, Neil. It really isn't true. No, I really think we'll get to where we're going a lot faster if, uh, I don't think so. Okay. I see. <laughs> I think uh, I'm just gonna take care of this, and I think I'm gonna get going. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's fine. That's, you know, it's just harder for two people to yeah. travel. You know. Really? Yeah, yeah, sure it is. And if you've got reservations. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. 
And uh, very similar to. Uh, Take the money, buy your kids a no, chocolate no, you turkey your or something. Like that. I don't want the money, okay? I just don't leave, leave it. There. Then leave it. You want to leave it? Fine. That's okay. I, I, I'm done, okay? <laughs> I've got to get going now, so if you'll excuse me. Uh, i got things to do. Uh, so, uh, good luck to you, and I uh, hope you get home soon. Where's his trunk? Yeah, sure you will. So, honestly, I mean, I think that Neil is in the wrong. It's like, you know, when we put our heads together, it just feels... And you see Dell's face kind of light up as like, yeah, yeah, like we're a good team, right? No, Neil says, when we put our heads together, we really have gotten nowhere. I'm like, wait a sec. Dell, I feel, honestly, has been helping Neil the whole damn time. From getting him a hotel room to getting him a room. It's because Dell is good with people and he knows all these people. It's like he's calling in these favors and stuff like that. And the, for Neil to just come around like, oh, it would be better if we just kind of split up and just kind of did our own thing. Like enough, like it's, no. It's just, and I feel bad for, for Dell and everything like that, you know? It's just, I think he likes the company. I honestly feel, you know, he, he's lonely. He's you know, sure, Neil is kind of, you know, hard to take. Even Dell, you know, yeah, he can get annoying. But he's there. He's helping out. He's doing stuff, man. I just feel, where the hell would Neil be without Dell having gotten him, you know, a, a room and, and all that shit? You know, this journey that they've been on. Neil would probably still be at the damn airport waiting for a flight to, you know, to get home and all that shit. So, yeah, I can understand why, why Dell's like, well, I'll just, you know, pay for this and I'll be on my way and everything. He clearly, he's clearly irritated. It's like, that's gonna be an ungrateful. You know, I really did help you out and everything. At least you do, you know, I thought we were into this together and whatnot. So, this, I mean, yes, Neil's been paying for the majority of it, but it's Dell that's making all these connections and, you know, it just shows hospitality and just being a gen genuine nice person to people no matter who they are you know especially when in, in Dell's case that's how you know he's a traveling salesman he you, you saw him giving those speeches to those people and just getting that money for you know making up these lies about these shower curtain rings and everything he's good with people he's got a way whereas Neil I don't even think, I mean, if none of that shit had happened as far as he was so pissed off from the time he left that late meeting to getting, you know, oh, no, I, I, I need to be in first class. I can't be in coach and this and that and all this shit. And I'm just, he was pissed off. But I think that is also Neil. I don't think it's just the bad mood. I think that's just how Neil is. They're two polar opposite people coming together, and then in the end, you kind of realize, like, they kind of need each other. They they balance each other out is what they do. So, yeah, they go their separate ways, and, of course, here we go. We're going to be coming up on the scene that got this movie the flat R rating, <laughs> even though, that honestly, that scene is the only reason why this movie got it. Otherwise, it probably would have been PG. I don't or maybe even PG-13, I'm guessing. So, <laughs> the guy drops Neil at the car rental place. Figure they're probably just going to go, you know, get a car and just drive, right? 
So, <laughs> uh, turns out Neil goes to the spot where his car is supposed to be. It's not there. So, by that time he realizes it, the bus that has taken him dropped him off to get the car, the rental car. He's fucking going. He's going back to the you know airport, probably picking up more people that need to get cars and whatnot. So, oh my gosh. So now Neil's got to walk back to the car rental station place. And... We got Edie McClurg playing the car rental attendant. And first off, no personal calls. She's got like a line five deep people, five deep. And she's talking to her sister about like who's bringing the cranberry pudding or or however. And, And Neil comes up. I think he actually cuts in line of some of those people. Because he's so angry. And he just lets loose. But the moment that she gets off the phone and she looks at him, she knows nothing she can say. She's going to be the politest person. This guy is royally pissed and he's going to unload. So nothing. And she, honestly, she holds it in. She does good customer service. You know, smile. You know, polite. Like, I'm sorry I can't help you. But when he drops a sling of F-bombs in her face, you see that smile just vanish. He's like, you could, she's like, how can I help you? He's like, you could start by wiping that rosy-ass smile off your fucking face. I just, uh, just this and this and this. And the fact that, and when Jeremy and I watched it this time, she's like, oh, do you have your rental agreement? He's like, I threw it away. And she's like, oh, dear. He's like, Oh, dear, what? She says, you're fucked. And I told Jeremy that. I'm like, she, because she's at a computer, right? You got records of all that shit. She could have helped him, but because he was a piece of shit, she's like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to help him. Oh, hell no. You drop five or six F-bombs in my face, and you think I'm going to drop over and roll over and help your ass? Oh, go fuck yourself. Plus, you don't have your rental agreement. So, sorry. No, sorry. Ain't gonna help you. You're fucked. Five hundred times. Blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, let's get to that scene. Oh, Jean Marie, you're a stitch. <laughs> <coughs> no, Mom's gonna do the turkey. Yeah, Dad wants ambrosia, so I guess we gotta get those miniature oh, Five or six people I'll do the present rolls and do the cranberry. No, I can't cook. Well, neither can Bonnie Brindle from Small Wonder, but there you go. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow then. Gobble, gobble. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't even know she's got a lot of people there. Yeah, she knows, like, uh, he's gonna unload on her. He is royally pissed. Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? Yes. May I help you? Start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile on her rose oh. fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. She's handling that very well. I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. 
And I really didn't care. <laughs> fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at <laughs> my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. May I see your rental agreement? I threw it away. Oh, boy. Oh boy, what? You're fucked. Pretty much. Yeah! <laughs> um, uh, that honestly was well deserved. She did a damn good job holding her temper, and she, like I said, she knew right away as soon as this guy came up to register, he was not, he was gonna take it out on her, and she. Like I said, she handled it very well for being in customer service. Granted, she probably wouldn't have been talked to about the you're fucked part for me. But anyway, other than that, I mean, if you all have been in customer service, I'm sure one time or another in your life you have had customers like that, that no matter what you say or how you try to make the situation better, someone is always, that's never going to be good enough for them. So he goes out to... And now he's even still royally pissed, so he's going to take it out on this other guy who ends up mentioning something like, oh, well, the airline's faster. You could get a free meal or something to that effect. And then Neo should have just kept his fucking... I'm like, oh, I, I tried that already. No, he's like, if I wanted to see a joke or hear a joke or whatever, I would go into the john and watch you take a leak. Dude, the fuck... That was, you did not have to go down, you did not have to go that low. You did not have to do that. The guy did not deserve that. Granted, yes, you know, he should know, you know, airlines are booked, like, you can't get out anywhere. So, yeah. But, Neil, I mean, I get it, you're pissed, but come on, don't just take it on every single person. And say, and basically you're insulting this guy's manhood. Like, oh, what? If I wanted to see a joke, I'll go into the john and watch you take a piss. Because you have, probably have a small dick. Or something to that effect. Hey, hey, yeah, where are you going? Chicago. 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 You know you're in St. Louis? All right. Yes, I do. Why don't you try the airline? It's a lot faster and you get a free meal. Yeah, they're both. If I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the john and watch you take a leak. What, uh, Neil? Are you going to help me or are you going to stand there like a slab of meat with mittens? They well deserved, yes. He deserved a punch in the face. <laughs> Second time now, he's almost going to run over. <laughs> what are you doing? I almost crushed your head like a melon. Get your car out of here! Yeah, just just a minute, okay? Get it out of here! What is your problem? <coughs> you insensitive asshole! Can't you see we got an injured man down on the street? Now I'll move my car! But I want you to help him up! No! Oh, go! Oh, he picked him up by his nuts!
someday our paths will cross again. <laughs> Are you all right? I've never seen a guy get picked up by his testicles before. Oh, my God. Lucky thing for you, that cop passed by when he did. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be lifting up your schnuts to tie your shoes. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can only there. imagine what that must feel like. Do you have any idea how glad I am I didn't kill you? Do <laughs> you have any idea how glad I'd be if you had? Oh, come on, pal. You don't mean that. Remember what I said about going with the flow? <laughs> How am I supposed to go with the flow when the rental car agency leaves me in a hundred acre parking lot with keys to a car that isn't there and then I have to hike three miles back to find out they don't have any more cars? I got a car, no sweat at all. Okay, well, you're a charm with me. Nope. Oh, I know. You just go with the flow. Like a twig on the shoulders of a mighty spree. Oh my goodness gracious sake. <laughs> I I'm not a guy, so I can't really attest to what it would feel like being picked up by the balls. But I can I only imagine that it don't feel too good. How is one connected to the other? Because when you see Neil again in the car, his voice is like really, really high. Is that I want to I, I want to learn right now how the vocal cords are affected by someone like yanking on someone's balls or getting kicked in the balls or having your balls yanked or whatever. I'm just, I don't know. But, yeah, the guy, I mean, honestly, yes, Neil deserved a punch in the face. He didn't exactly deserve to be picked up by his balls. But the fact that this is the second time now that Neil has been, like, fallen into traffic and almost gotten run over. So, Del and Neil meet up once again. Del saves Neil's ass, thank goodness. Granted, at the resort, uh, result of uh, being picked up by his testicles, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness, yeah. So, the only thing I could find in relation to a high-pitched voice after being kicked or having the ball testicles yanked Someone's asked that same question, I think it was on Reddit, and the only thing is, like, it seems like a lot of that is more, like, in t portrayed in movie 90s, honestly, with the fart jokes, the butt jokes, the constant getting kicked in the balls jokes were really, I don't even know if that is nearly as much as, uh, nowadays in kids movies but growing up in the 90s i mean that was a lot of the jokes were all aimed at hey let's kick this person in the testicles and watch him bend over and fall down in pain but also the high-pitched voice and apparently i'm guessing that's just a thing for the movies like that doesn't actually happen in real life correct me if i'm wrong though correct me if i'm wrong so <laughs> Alright, so now they're in the car, Dell's driving, it's late at night, of course Dell's smoking a cigarette. He's got this, it's not a huge puffy jacket, it's kind of like, a, it's not like a windbreaker either, it's kind of in between. Anyway, and Dell's got the music up loud, and Neil is actually surprisingly, how he's able to sleep through it, I don't know, but I mean... Given the last couple days, I'm sure he is beyond exhausted and nothing's going to wake this guy up. So, Dell's just doing what we all do when a good song comes on the radio or comes on your, you know, phone or whatever and you're just jamming out late at night. There's not a lot of traffic on the road, which is good. I mean, everyone's, 
I don't know what time it is going to be. Maybe early in the a.m. or something. Because there's like next to no traffic on the road. And it looks like the the roads are not bad as far as they're, if they're snow covered. It's not horrible. Okay, well, you know what? Actually, Neil does turn over on his side. So clearly, I'm surprised. I'm like, can you like turn it down? I'm trying to sleep. But... No, uh, Dell's just he. Dell is jamming out. All right, yeah. When I um got when I got in to Michigan from the airport, and it's like going on one a.m. Right, it's after one a.m. Got a rental car. Same. <laughs> um, you know my podcast and life update. I didn't really tell too much about that whole uh, airport experience and whatnot. So of course, real quick. Got to my gate hours before. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, well, there's time. I'm going to go. There's an Applebee's or whatever. I'm just going to grab something quick to eat. I got like a fucking steak and this and that. And afterwards, I'm like, I really shouldn't have done that. But anyway, and then I'm like, okay, great. And then I, I get a notification on my phone saying the gate's been changed to C. And I'm thinking, this is the... DFW Airport. I'm in it by myself for the first time ever. I don't know where the hell C is. I'm like, ah! And I swear the gate, like, changed, like, three different times over the course of, like, 30 minutes to see. And, um, I guess you gotta take, like, a little tram thing over to the other section of the airport. And I'm like, I don't know where I am. And then look, I'm like... Tell asking these people, is this where I go to Terminal C? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I get there. I'm like, okay. I call Jeremy. I bitch and complain. I'm like, ah, I don't know why the hell they're sending me over this fucking airport and whatnot. So I'm like, as long as they don't send me back to A, of course they fucking do. And I'm like, ah! And by that time, I think the, you know, the takeoff time, it's probably like a half hour or more prior to. So I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So, and mind you, I was going, this was like, like, I got there at like 2.33 and my flight wasn't supposed to take off till like 7. Of course, once we get on the plane, we're sitting there because we got to wait for all this backed up traffic to go. And I'm thinking, I can't have this fuck up because I have to get my damn rental vehicle. And I'm seeing on the website, it says I close at midnight. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get there in time. So we land and I'm thinking, oh fuck, it's like getting close to, because, you know, going from Texas to Michigan, you're jumping, you know, forward an hour. And then I'm just, I'm like in the aisle waiting for other people ahead of me. I'm like, let me call budget and make sure they still got my vehicle. Cause I'm, I'm not sleeping at the airport. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny. Cause when I was on the phone and afterwards, I'm like, and the people nearby just kind of looked at me like, you all right? You all right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. It's good. It's good. So I got there. Get my, I get my bag, and I swear, this is like, it felt like an act of the word intervening. My bag was sitting right next to the carousel. Like somebody just placed it there. And it's like, they knew like, okay. They didn't know knew my name. No one on that plane knew my name. So I'm like, okay, good, good, good. And I get it. I get my bag. I go to the budget rental. 
And of course, you know, another person who's from my flight was also there. And I was telling the guy, I'm like, because on the phone, they're like, yeah, yeah, we got it. It's good. Don't worry about it. So while I'm getting my, you know, vehicle and all that stuff, I was like, okay, hopefully, you know, they got me a car this time or something. No. They got me. First time it was a uh, Nissan Rogue. This time it's a Kia Sportage. So I'm like, oh, yeah, Kia. Jeremy drove a Kia. Um, it was about the same size as, as that Nissan Rogue. So I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. With this one, it was actually a typical, you know, you put the key in, you turn it, comes on. You know, with the Nissan Rogue, it was the push button thing, so I had to get used to that. I'm like, okay, good. So it's like 1.30 in the morning. I'm like, okay. Turn it on. I'm like, I gotta have some music. I gotta I plug in my phone. I got that going. I'm like, okay. I need to have something loud that's going to, you know, because it's, it's early in the morning, it's foggy out, it's nighttime, there's not a lot of traffic, but it's like, I'm tired. I am tired. It's like 1.30 going on 2. I'm like, okay, I got to stop at this gas station close to my sister's, like, pick up some things, some milk, OJ, what have you, for the morning, because I don't know what she's got. So I do that. I'm like, all right, I, I, I played that, uh, What's it called? Truth Hurts by Lizzo. I was playing that. I was blow, blasting that through the speakers. I'm like, okay, something to keep me awake and focused. So, yeah, get there. My sister's, you know, waiting for me and stuff like that. So, when I got to sleep in my old childhood bedroom. My bedroom that I was in from age, like, 4 until, like, 11. So, yeah. And it was, you know, it, it's done up like, um, you know, a, a kid under the age of six now sleeps in that room. So, <laughs> went from having a queen bed to uh, a twin. That was interesting. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and I don't know why it is, but it seems like whenever I sleep in a bed, the fitted sheet always starts to come off the corner. And then by the time you wake up, it's, like, practically completely off. And it's like, ugh. But anyway, that was that story. Saved a, a lot of things had to, like, uh, I dealt with it. I didn't freak out screaming because you don't want to do that in an airport. But, okay, let's get back. Let's get back to this. That was my, that was my, um, <laughs> yeah, airport experience. Then at the end of this movie rule, I'll tell you about <laughs> going back home and having to deal with uh, some little ups and down issues. Okay, so again, it's November, late November, it's cold, right? Del's got the window open a crack so he can smoke a cig. So he goes to throw it out. Thinks he does. And it hits the window doesn't go through the crack and it falls back into the back seat and what's funny about this is that my dad said something similar happened to him or him and some guys when they're like i don't know maybe in their 20s or something in their early teens you know him and his guy friends were driving around and some shit happened like where uh this lit cigarette falls into the bottom of the back seat, and then what do you think's gonna happen? It's lit, it's gonna start, you know, burning up the upholstery and shit, and start a fire. 
So, apparently this thing is going well because, well, so what are you going to do? You're wearing a jacket, it's getting a little warm in the car, and I was like, here, maybe I can continue driving, and, uh, because we're on the expressway, it's not like they're going to hit a traffic light, and it's not like, well, you know, he could have pulled off for a second because you're on the fucking expressway. But, you know, you want to take your jacket off. Sometimes it's like, yeah, if you're, you know, on a regular road, you'll wait till, you know, a traffic light or something like that. But he's like, oh, he, he can't wait. So it's like, all right. So he's trying to get his, his arm out of the armhole. And somehow he loops, like, part of the bottom of the jacket onto the the seat adjuster thing. So now his arm is stuck. He's like, oh, shit. So now he's basically driving with one arm. Yeah, it's like the cuff on the wrist of the jacket got caught on the seat. And it's the round kind that you try. You know, it's 1987. It's not like they had the where you push a button and you can adjust. One of the cars I drove actually did have the kind where it was electrical that you move it back and forth with. I'll put you on the button. I I just like the regular, you know, you take a hold of the bar under the seat and you just push it either up or down, however you want it. So, you know, of course, like I said, there's no traffic. It's early morning, and he's like trying to adjust, you know, get his arm out of his damn coat sleeve. And then he's like, here, let's see if I can get my other arm. And then that one gets caught on something. So it's like. Basically, he's driving with his damn thighs. Like, the wheel is basically between his legs. And he's trying to steer with his... It's very comical. So, the car is literally going all over this road. And then he hits... I don't... It's like a stop sign. So, I don't know if it's like an exit. But Del starts screaming. And then he manages to rip... The strap that was on the the wrist cuff of his jacket, and he's able to use his arm free. Thank goodness. But then again, the the car is spinning out of control. So I mean, even though the roads look clear of snow, we don't know that they're not covered in ice. They're doing a repeated three sixty. Is that what it is? Three sixty. It's not one eighty. It's three sixty, right? Circle, circle, circle. The car finally comes to a stop, and Neil wakes up. And she's like, "Hey, Dell, you okay?" I love it when the car comes to a stop, and Dell is just like, <sighs> "It's like literally." I mean, you're spinning out of control. You don't think your life is gonna flash before your eyes? I mean, just like the country song, you know, "Jesus, take the wheel." Before I knew it, we were spinning a thin sheet of glass. And, you know, this lady, you know, and her daughter was asleep in the back seat. You know, she said, I saw both our lives flash before her eyes. I didn't even have to have, you know, time to cry or anything. It's just, it, boom, it, it happens like that. And it's like, you need to be able to react. And the thing is, what you, even though your instinct is telling you, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, we're going to take, you know, it's like, just say, don't panic. Don't they say a lot of things, you hit ice, you... Don't you like you turn into the skid, right? I I haven't... Oh, my gosh. Man, I remember one time I hit it. 
some ice when I was living in Michigan and just, oh my gosh, yes, I was taking Jeremy to work one time and I had some ice, right? And I was, you know, I'm going fast, you're not going fast on snow-covered ice roads, right? And all of a sudden it's just, you start sliding. And luckily Jeremy was there to kind of coach me through it, but we slid to the point where we were now facing we were in the same lane facing the opposite way. So we're facing the cars that were behind us. And luckily, they were far enough behind that they could see something was happening that they knew enough to stay back. So Jeremy's saying, all right, you got this. Now just do this. Thank the thank you that he was there. I don't know how I would have reacted if he hadn't have been in the passenger seat next to me. Oh, my God. Gosh, that is just, it's scary. It's scary. That's how accidents happen. But Dell's sitting there, the car is stopped, and Neil is just kind of like trying to figure out, like, what's going on? And the windshield wipers are like flapping back and forth. Yeah, and Neil's like half asleep. Like, what, what's happening? And Dell says, oh, well, wait, we almost hit a deer. That's all. We, we, yeah, we, we didn't hit it, but we almost did. And I like that, like, Neil, like, half asleep, like, are you all right? And Del says, yeah, yes, I'm fine. I'm, yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. And they must have that heater cranked, because even Neil's like, I'm here. Why don't you take your parka off? Yeah, when we see the car moving again, yeah, it looks like they're literally driving on ice. But they are... The way that they landed, they are now heading into oncoming traffic. And they don't know it yet. Because they're going up that exit ramp where it says exit on the road. They're coming up it. Oh, my goodness. So, we see, approaching from far away, two side-by-side -side semis. And, you know, Neil and... Del, you know, they're just driving along. They really know there isn't any traffic other than what's going on. We see across the median a car going in a similar direction. And they're like, hey, they're going the wrong way. They're going to kill somebody. You need to do And they're telling like, roll down your window. Roll down your window. And they roll it down. And it's like, you're going the wrong way. And, of course, Dell's like, how would they know? What? No, we're not. How would they know where we're going? And of course, Dell's like, oh, they're probably drunk. And Neil's like, yeah, I mean, how would they know? Like, all right, thank you for Thank you. Thank you. And of course, these people, this husband and wife keep shouting, you're going the wrong way. You're going to kill somebody. And finally, Neil, he does, it doesn't click. But he looks down. This is like, this car is like on the other side going in the same direction they are. He sees the median and is like, fuck. And then Neil, <laughs> Del is just like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, no, like, uh, like, you guys are drunk. And Neil spots him first. Look, because Del isn't even looking at the road. He's looking at these people he thinks are drunk and just kind of messing with them. And they see the two trucks. I don't know how in the hell that they are able to squeeze that car through the two of them. But you just see their skeletons. And then you see Neil 
It's just like, ah! seeing Dell in a devil costume just laughing, laughing his head off. Yeah, when they go between those two semis, like, their rearview mirrors get taken off. Or their their side mirrors get taken off. And you're scraping along the sides. It's like, I don't know how the hell they came out of that unscathed, but they bodily, they're fine. The outside of the car isn't fine, but they're fine. I think that's, that's, but then again, this is a rental car. I really hope they got insurance. But then again, they don't see or smell the smoke that's popping up in the back seat there either. Dell slams on the brakes and his trunk just is flying like a hundred feet in the air in front of him. Both Dell and Neil, their fingers are literally indented in the <laughs> dashboard. Because they, like, had to pull their fingers, and you just see the indentations of their fingers on the dashboard. <laughs> Holy shit, the top of the steering wheel is, like, literally bent forward. Oh, shit. I mean, that's, like, I think that's pretty much all Dell stuff on the road. I mean, the trunk, that suitcase, that blue duffel bag, it's all Dell stuff. Although, I mean, they did pull off to the side of the road. Granted, you probably want to have your hazard lights on so that way nobody's going to come up and, you know, take out your vehicle. Or yourselves, for that matter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of looking at the the damage that was done to the outside of the vehicle. And Dell's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is not a problem. You know, I really thought it would be worse than this. But, yeah, they can buff this out no problem. And I'm just thinking, gosh, I hope you fucking got insurance for that. Because you always, when you rent a car, you should get insurance. So you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. So, <laughs> I love how Dell's like, well, here, we can, we can laugh about it now. I mean, we're all right, and we can laugh about it now. I'm like, why do you laugh about it when you get to your destination. And then you can look back and laugh on like everything that's happened because it's done. It's happened. It's in the past, right? Don't finally stop slashing me and he's like, uh, yeah, maybe I should get my stuff off the road. I'm thinking, yeah, that might be a good idea. I mean, granted, <clears throat> it's deserted a little, but there are still vehicles traveling this late at night. Yeah, they're sitting on the trunk now after they pulled it off the side. Oh, it says Chicago, 102 miles. There's that mile marker sign. Um, and you just, they, Dell turns and looks, and the back seat of the car is literally in flames. Oh, shit. So, Neil finally looks, and they stand up from sitting on that trunk, and Neil just kind of starts laughing. It's almost like... It's one of those laughs where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, and you're like, this feels like this, because the car is now literally on fire. And it's just like one of those laughs, like I said, where anything that could go wrong has gone wrong, you're like, this doesn't even register anymore to me, because this is just, this is how it's been going, so I'm not surprised by this shit at all. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yes, and there's a reveal here about the fact that Neil's fucking wallet was in the damn car. Remember, he's like, 
I'm putting my wallet in the glove compartment. Please remind me to take it out of there. use Neil's Diner's Club card to rent that vehicle. So now, oh god, I hope he got insurance. I, I really fucking hope he got insurance. Holy fuck. Um, now that's on Neil. Holy shit. I don't, we don't, you know, Neil makes good money. It'll all balance out in the end. Let's just say it all balances out in the end, alright? Alright. Because, <laughs> yeah, he says that he put the cl the card back in Neil's wallet, and Neil turns and looks at the burning car. His wallet is in the fucking glove compartment, probably on fire, most likely. There's, like, nothing left of this car. I mean, the body, the frame of the car is there. No window. No, except for the glass of the windshield, which is 
charcoal black. You can't see out of it. Oh my goodness. And so <laughs> Dell asked Neil, are you mad? And Neil like, sl he slugs Dell right in the gut. And it's, it's just, <laughs> and then once they get to this little cheap ass looking motel, <laughs> Del says, you know, you shouldn't have done that when I wasn't ready for it or something because he said that's how Houdini died apparently. Is that right? Someone slugged him in the gut and he didn't he didn't uh, prepare himself for it. Oh well. Oh my yeah. So we see that their <laughs> their seats that they're sitting in in the car, as nice and padded as they were, they're basically sitting on metal they're sitting there's nothing to those seats anymore so neil goes in and gets a room he is beyond pissed because when you see the cards he pulls out of his wallet which he most likely will have to get them all replaced they all have burn marks they're basically melted to unrecognizability and and neil won't even really answer dell he says, you know, if, if you're pissed at me, we can get separate rooms. And Neil turns over his shoulder and looks at Del and says, you get your own room. Like, I'm, yeah. So, of course, the hotel manager needs a major credit card. Neil pulls out his wallet and it is literally smoking. Diners, Visa. And the, the manager is just looking at him like, this, this is a joke, right? Like, I can't process these cards. A gasoline card. He looks at Neil and says, uh, these aren't credit cards. So Neil says, all right, I'll, I'll pay cash. And the guy says, it's forty-two fifty for a room. Uh, Neil shuffles in his wallet. Let's see what he pulls out. He's got $17. And this guy, this guy is just, he's nice. He's being honest with him. He's like, I... I can't do that. See, I don't I don't even own the place. It's like, I'm sure he doesn't own the place. He's probably just the manager, you know, managing the building for another person. So it's like, yeah, I, like basically I could lose my job. And Neil's literally begging at this point. He's like, please have mercy. I've been wearing the same underwear since Tuesday. And it's now like Wednesday going on Thursday. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but no. Underwear is, to me, underwear is something you change that daily. You do not wear it two days in a row. If you are desperate and you have no choice, if you literally have no choice, okay. But you don't go past two days. Otherwise, that is just bordering into crazy town. This guy, this manager literally looks like he's wearing a robe, like he just got woke up in the middle of the night. So, Neil offers $17 and a hell of a nice watch. That is the watch we saw at the beginning of the movie that he was checking. I don't know what kind of watch it is, but it looks expensive. Yeah, so Neil's able to get a room. However, Dell does not, it doesn't work out for him because... <laughs> It's like, I don't have $17 in a nice watch. But he does have a Casio watch, which he takes off of his wrist. 
So, yeah, Dell doesn't have the $42.50. He has $2 and a Casio. Yeah, the, the manager's like, I'm going to have to say goodnight. So, sorry, I can't really help you out with that. So, now Dell is sitting in the burned out car and he's talking to his, you know, wife who passed away. Just like, I really messed up big time. I'm... You know, you always told me this. That was a bit of a screw-up. And Neil is looking out. You know, he's you know in his little hotel room. And he's looking out at Dell freezing. And he he lets, the, like, Neil, get in here. Come on now. Let's, yeah. I'm not letting you sleep out in a burned-out car in the middle, in uh, late November. I'm just not doing that. They got two twin beds. All right. I don't even think those are twin beds. I think they're like, maybe they are twin beds. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, this is an improvement over um, the very first when they share that twin bed. <laughs> but yeah, before yeah, Neil reaches out to Dell, who's sitting outside. Um, apparently, the phone is locked. Like, you need a key for it? Like, what the fuck? What? A hotel, motel, whatever. That's, oh my gosh, this is insane. So they charge you to make a call. That's bullshit. It looks like he has been calling his wife, kind of checking in with her daily. Just let her know the progress. And it looks like, I don't think he's going to be able to do that. Because we flash to her probably... She's awake, waiting for his call, and just like, okay, I guess he's not calling. Don't know where he is. Okay, yeah, that is a parka that Dell is wearing, which is, yeah. I, I don't know why I thought it wasn't, like, a heavy, heavy jacket, which, yeah. Yeah, Dell's just, he's sitting in his car, talking to his dead wife, just saying, Once again, my dear, you were right as rain. I am, without a doubt, the biggest pain in the butt that ever came down the pike. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, Dell's just kind of saying, you know, I meet a, another person whose company I really enjoy, and what do I do? I go overboard, and I smother the poor soul. And Dell says, I cause him more trouble than he has a right to. Oh, Dell's got a good heart, though. He does. Sometimes maybe he may come off as a bit much, but. And Dell is just, oh, I got a big mouth. When am I ever going to wake up? And Neil's trying to sleep, but of course, you know, it's like, I can't leave him out there like that. That's not, I mean, yes, he's caused me a lot of trouble and a lot of problems along, this, along the way, but it's like, he's also kind of saved your ass in some instances too, Neil. And Neil is just, you know, he's, you know, looking through the window. It's like, what did I do to get hooked up with this guy? So Neil asks Dell to come inside. Like, Dell, Dell, get in here. Come on now. Mm. I've been to Italy. They had an 
this is a gin. It's my gin. Give me that. Is there a tequila there? Uh, a little Mexican trip. Tequila? There you go. Come on up. Is this a good combo or what? <laughs> no. Probably not. Me? I'm going back to uh, Jamaica. Jamaica, man. Go to Jamaica. Have some rum, man. Dig it. Irie, Irie, man. Shower curtain rings that didn't fall down. Great legacy, huh? At the very least. The absolute minimum. <coughs> Got a woman you loved for an old woman, right? You love her, don't you? Love is not a big enough word. Not a big enough word for how I feel about my to the wives. <laughs> wow. Well, let me just close this conversation by saying you are one unique individual. What is unique? <laughs> uh, Latin for asshole? Grab the box. I'm going to kick him off. Yeah. trouble as I've had on this little journey, I'm sure one day I'm going to look back and laugh. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> oh, I'm laughing already. Oh, God. <coughs> Was that seat hot or what? It's <laughs> like a big whopper. <laughs> Turn me over. I'm done on this side. I'm afraid to look at my ass. <laughs> I got those griddle marks on my ass. <laughs> liked that scene between Neil and Dell. You know, they weren't arguing. They're just, you know, chatting away, you know, talking about the wives and all that stuff. And it's just, it's, it's good, you know, because, you know, like, that's pretty much the last time they're gonna, you know, spend, you know, a, a night together because they're just about there. They're just about to Chicago. So, of course now it's daytime. <laughs> Gotta get that damn car ready to go. And Dell is in the driver's seat. It's like, alright. Neil, give it a push. Give it a good push now because we, you know, it snowed overnight, so it's kind of stuck. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, Neil, uh, Dell puts it in reverse, and it, like, slams into the back of, I'm guessing, another, uh, motel room, and they're directly across from the fucking office, like, you better get in your car and get the fuck out of 
been there now before, before that guy sees your ass. Oh, shit. And mind you, of course, they don't, you know, Neil's credit cards didn't work, so this kind of saves their ass. Because, <laughs> you know, there isn't, he just paid, what, in cash and a watch, right? So, they ain't going to find him. It's 87. They ain't going to find him. Just get, get, get in your car and get the hell out of there, though. So it is officially Thanksgiving Day. They're on the road. They're on the expressway. And, of course, none of the gauges really work. The speedometer, you can't fucking tell what the, what, you know, speed they're going. But there's a, they're passing a car that just looks at this burnt-out vehicle just driving along. And, of course, a state trooper pulls them over. Yep. So... Cops got the speed thing, radar gun, so it's 78, which, honestly, now in 2021, I mean, aren't most expressways that are, what, like 70? You see people going fucking 80 all the fucking time on the expressway, I mean, hell yeah. So, <laughs> of course, back in 87, I think Jeremy said that like, most of those expressways are like that were like 55 so they're going way the fuck over so of course they get pulled over and the guy asked him do you know how fast you're going i'm like no i mean so the speedometer's not working you know gas gauge they can't tell that either and everything and they, the radio works because they're singing blue moon on kentucky <laughs> shining <laughs> And the guy does tell me, I'm afraid I can't let you go. I would not be right of me. You know, this vehicle is going to be impounded until it can be made safe for the roads. And Dell's like, yeah, I, I get it. I I understand. Um, You got to do your job, but I got to get my friend home to his Thanksgiving dinner. He's going to miss it. So, yeah, pretty much they are... Yeah, the vehicle's impounded, and they wind up, I guess, taking a train to get home? Oh. Top of the morning, officer. Hi. Is there something I can help you with? What the hell are you driving here? <laughs> we had a small fire last night, but we caught it in the nick of time. Do <laughs> you have any idea how fast you were going? Well, funnily enough, I was just talking to my friend about that. Our speedometer's melted, and as a result, it's very hard to say with any degree of accuracy... Exactly uh, how fast we were going was 78 miles an hour. 78, huh? Well, yeah, I could buy that, sure, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, you would know better than us, uh, especially since we got a melted speedometer. Do you feel this vehicle is safe for highway travel? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I really do. I, I, I believe that. I know it's not pretty to look at, but it'll get you where you want to go. Now, you got no outside mirror. No, we lost that. You have no functioning gauges. No, not a one. However, the radio still works. Funny as that may seem, with all this mess, that the radio is the only thing that's really working good, and it's as clear as a bell. Don't ask me how. <laughs> Can't let you go ahead in this vehicle. Can't what? No, it's not fit for the road. The vehicle will be impounded until such time as it can be made safe for travel on state highways. Okay, officer, I admit it. I, I, I broke the law, and, and for that I'm really sorry. I am. It'll never happen again. I, you got me there, and I won't argue with you one iota, I swear. However, um, if you impound our car, I'm going to be unable to get my friend here home in time for his Thanksgiving dinner.
Well, Dell's got another trick up his sleeve. He's got, uh, I don't know what it's like, a meat company semi-truck. It's like, hey, our ship has come in. I said I'd get you home, didn't I? <laughs> and Neil says, you know, hey, I don't care as long as the heater's, heater's working. And Dell says, oh, we can't sit up front with the driver. Um, no. And over the years, I had watched this. I didn't notice until this was pointed out to me. Maybe on, um, like a YouTube video or something, but showing that Dell's kind of got like a, kind of a black eye going. Like the guy must have punched him because we see the driver and he yanks that door shut. Like, you're not going to be up here with me. Yeah, Dell says the driver's a little freaky about letting people ride up in his cab. And Neil says, well, where are we going to sit then? Where are we going to be? Now you're going to be back with the frozen meat. And I'm sure, like, to keep the meat cold, it's going to be colder than Antarctica in that back of that truck. Oh, boy. been a hell of a trip but I mean hey you did get me home so <laughs> hey next time let's go first class all right oh, got it. and and Dell says hey next time let's go first class huh and Neil says I hope there isn't a next time it's like oh uh, yeah so yeah Dell shakes Neil's hands like hey it's great meeting you Neil I mean I'm sorry if I caused you any trouble and Neil's like hey you got me home that's the important thing right I mean, Neil says, you got me home. I mean, a little late. Del says, eh, a couple days. And, you know, Neil says, you know, I'm a little wiser too. And Del says, yeah, me too. And Neil says, happy holidays. And they hug. Oh, it's so sweet. Del says, happy Thanksgiving. And give my love to the family. <laughs> and Del says, you know, give my love to the family. It feels like I, I know them. You know, hopefully I can meet them one day. And Neil says, say hello to Marie for me. And Del says, yeah. Neil tells Del, you know, have a happy Thanksgiving, and he gets on the train. Yeah. 
sorry if I caused you any trouble. Oh, no, you didn't cause any trouble. You got me home. And uh, a little late, a couple days. But uh, I'm a little wiser, too. So. Me, too. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving, Neil. Okay. Just give my love to the family, will you? Same to you. Maybe I'll get a chance to meet him one day. Okay. Uh, say hello to Marie for me. I feel like I know her. Yeah. And uh, you have a happy Thanksgiving. Hey, you know it. <laughs> so long. Stay in touch. Is that a mobile phone? slash Van Buren. Right. <laughs> oh, the it's in that uh, Thanksgiving. Oh. oh, look at that gorgeous pie. Oh, and that turkey looks so good. Oh, they're lighting the candles. He's flashing back to uh, <laughs> the Oh my gosh, Adele. Oh, it's been a crazy couple days. train he's heading home he's picturing you know his wife the kids Thanksgiving dinner him sitting down with his family and everything and then he starts flashing back to that first morning in that hotel room with Dell and then of course you know the car on fire you know them chatting about their wives at that last motel that they were at and then of course you know Neil just ragging on Dell just, uh, can't, you know, and then Dell saying, you know, I like me. My wife likes me. And then also we flash to the Dell saying, I haven't been home in years. And then Neil kind of thinks on like something about that is really, yeah. So he ends up coming back to where, you know, the train initially took off from. It's like, something's off about that. I like, Dell isn't being 100% truthful. Uh, I think there's more to it than it being a figure of speech saying, I haven't been home in years. So he goes back to the train station, and 
Dell is just sitting there with his trunk and everything. And the truth, the sad, sad truth of why Dell is still at the train station. And it breaks my heart. to see he's surprised to see Dell there like what is he still doing there it's like Dell I thought you said you're going home what are you doing here and Dell he says I don't have a home Marie's been dead for eight years oh my gosh so basically Dell is, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether more likely, probably he, that is, you know, he was a traveling salesman and selling the shower curtain rings, or maybe it's a job that most likely he probably did have at one point and he's been just relying on, I don't want to call it grifting. I do not want to call it grifting, but you know, he's taking that trunk, that's Everything he literally owns, everything from the picture of his wife to his pillow to everything is in that trunk. So more likely he probably did lose his home. And he's just, you know, traveling, you know, here and there with probably what he's selling, you know, that supply of shower curtain rings off and making what money he can to get from, you know, points A to B with no real direction as far as settling down because... You know, his wife isn't there anymore. And, I mean, I don't know the whole story about, you know, maybe she was sick and she passed away. And, you know, there could have been hospital bills. And maybe he had to sell his house to pay for that. I don't, I really don't know. We we don't learn that about other than. But I like that Neil's learned a little bit of humility from being with Dell. And Neil cared enough when he's going back and looking over the last two days and really kind of scrutinized finally those words of, I haven't been home in years. He goes back, probably not expecting to see Dell there, but he sees him anyway. And when Dell tells Neil that, Neil is like, no, this guy helped get me home. I am not leaving. Oh my gosh, I'm tearing up. 
I am not leaving him here on Thanksgiving for all that he helped me. And you see them carrying, you know, Dell's trunk between them. And Dell is just so nervous. He's like, you know, maybe I'll just stop in and say hi and everything. And then I can leave. It's like, Dell, it's, it's okay. Just relax. It's going to be all right. got you know his parents and then Susan's parents are there the kids are there he's introducing Dell to everybody and then um yeah Susan comes down the stairs and you know Neil and she lock eyes and he and Neil says honey I want to introduce you to, to someone and she says hello Mr. Griffith and Dell says hello Mrs. Page oh and Neil and his wife embrace, they kiss, it's beautiful, and I just, this is just, this, and, and Dell has just got a smile on his face, and just, she's satisfied, he's like, he helped get this guy home, this guy's got a nice house, you know, family and everything, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I honestly feel that Neil did learn some things from Dell. And we don't know we don't know what happens after this. We don't know what happens the day after Thanksgiving. We don't know if maybe, you know, they try to help Dell out, like maybe let him stay for a bit, you know, get him a secure place to you know, help him find gainable employment. Unless he's still but I don't think he's with that shower curtain place anymore. I, I think that maybe maybe he did lose his job after his wife passed and then lost the house and he's just been you know, traveling here and there and whatnot, so, but yeah, I, I honestly like to think, like, Neil helps him, you know, get him a job, get him situated there and everything like that, I think that's 
It's just great. I mean, unless, you know, may, or maybe Dell just says, you know, hello, stays for Thanksgiving dinner, and then kind of, you know, stays overnight, and then the next day he leaves and goes on his way. I don't know. I don't know. I, I honestly also kind of feel that Neil, you know, Dell has had an effect on Neil, and I think that Neil is like, I'm not turning this guy away. He helped me get home. He's basically saved me. So... I think he's going to do what he can in his power to be able to help Dell. Like, you helped me. I want to help you. Here's another thing I was kind of thinking. This was after Jeremy and I had um, recently watched this, like, over a week ago. You know, our annual yearly viewing. And I just told Jeremy, I'm like, what if... I mean, it is directed by John Hughes. So I'm like, okay, what if this, right? This movie takes place in 87. Home Alone takes place in 1990. I think, like, within a couple years, that maybe the Page family, you know, moves to a different area. And then the McAllisters buy the house. Because remember at Home Alone, Old Man Marley says, you know, this was a while ago before your family moved on the block. That this whole thing, you know, went down with him and his kid and whatnot. So, I like to think it is a shared universe where Ferris Bueller's family lives in Chicago, you know, Neil Page, and then you have three years later the McAllisters. I think they go and they buy that house. I honestly think this is a shared universe. I really, truly, honestly do. All right, let's look at some trivia, because I said I want to wait till after the movie to do the trivia. Let me get this out of here. here. All right. <clears throat> Let's see. John Hughes, in an interview on the Those Aren't Pillows DVD, said in, he was inspired to write the film's story after an actual flight he was on from New York to Chicago. The flight was diverted to Wichita, Kansas, taking him five days to get home. That's the thing. Sometimes, you know, great, the greatest stories are born from inspiration by other, you know, real life events and stuff like that. The marathon car scene is exactly one minute long from the time Steve Martin starts his tirade to the time the attendant ends the scene. In that 60 seconds, the F word is used 18 times. The film would have easily been rated PG or PG-13 by the MPAA if it weren't for this one scene. Steve Martin was convinced to join the production after favoring two scenes he had read from the script, the seat adjustment scene in the car, and the F-word tirade at the car rental desk. <laughs> Let's see here. On instruction from John Hughes, Edie McClurg's role as the St. Louis rental car agent was particularly improvised. Hughes told her to simply riff a fake phone conversation with someone about Thanksgiving plans while Steve Martin remains waiting in line, staring at her to finish up. McClurg came up with the idea to speak with her sister about who was going to make what, adding, you know I can't cook. Hughes asked her how she came up with those lines so quickly, and she replied that, like his script, she just drew up from her own life. McClure claims to this day that random people ask her to tell them they're fucked. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, she didn't she play the secretary in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I, I swear she did. I've only seen that movie once, and I thought, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was all right. I thought it was good. 
Let's see. Oh, he wrote the draft of the screenplay in three days. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Let's see. Steve Martin talked in an interview about his late co-star John Candy and his similarities with the character of Dell. Well, he was a very sweet guy. Very sweet and complicated. And so he was always friendly, always outgoing, and, you know, funny and nice and polite. But I could tell he had kind of a little broken heart inside of him. Let's see here. Neil's house was also a set built from scratch consisting of seven rooms taking five months to complete. It ended up costing 100000 which angered Paramount executives and caused turmoil on the set. Oh, all right. Well, it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. Let's see. Prior to shooting, John Candy arrived with exercise equipment for him to use during production. Crews installed a treadmill, bench press, weights, and other exercise gear in his hotel suite. Steve Martin said Candy never used any of it. Well, how many... I got this damn treadmill. Remember, I'm sure I mentioned that over the years of podcasting. Since 2017. I'm like, I want to get this treadmill. Oh, I promise on Jeremy's like, if you get this, you need to use it like literally every day. I'm like, I will, I will. I used it like maybe five times over the course. And the thing is, I remember when that treadmill was dropped off. Because they like, well, we can't bring it into the house. You know, it was all in a box. It had to be put together. Thank goodness Jeremy put it together. And I'm thinking, I'm going to work later. I can't have this thing just sitting out here on my doorstep. It was this long box. I can't remember how much it weighed, but I, like, started at the bottom because it was, like, leaning against, like, the steps of in the on the porch area and shoving, pushing with everything I had in me. And I managed to get it into the living room through the, the front door of the house. Oh, my goodness. I don't know where that strength came from, but yeah. Director John Hughes was known for staging improvisational, improvi improvisational moments for his actors in order to capture a genuine reaction. Since he was not satisfied with the Owen scene introductions after several takes, he privately instructed Dylan Baker, who played Owen, to wipe spit in his right hand just before shaking hands with Neil Page. Steve Martin was not expecting this. Thus, his disgusted reaction to shaking Baker's saliva slathered hand. The crew reportedly exploded in laughter as Martin ran off to wash his hands. Immediately following the encounter, Hughes got the reaction he needed and the footage was kept in the film. I did not know that. Oh my god! It was, ugh, it was so gross. I really, honest. okay, here's, this is, the original cut of this movie was three hours and 40 minutes long. He and John Hughes edited it down to two hours. This version was test screened and it was probably used to edit trailers for the film. Which is why they show a lot of deleted scenes. The movie was then edited down, again down to one hour and 33 minutes for theatrical release according to Hirsch. A two hour version still exists but he doesn't know where it is. Ah! What? Why? Oh my gosh! You could be putting out a new version with deleted scenes. Seriously. Well, I want to see this three hour and 40 minute version. I would watch that. 100% I would watch that. I'm sure those of you out there would probably watch it too. 
After D- Dell steals, in quotes, Neil's cab at the beginning of the movie, Neil looks down and sees that the cab is gone. In the puddle on the ground, there are two shower curtain rings. I noticed that, but they were so light. I don't know whether they've been swallowed up by that puddle, but they were very, very thin. Oh, that sucks. Okay, um, the three-hour version of the film does indeed exist, although not in order. Moreover, it's a mess of footage that would take months, maybe even years, according to Hughes, to transform into an actual film. It is locked away in a Paramount vault, and according to Hughes, you know, John Hughes passed away, most of it has probably deteriorated by now. No! No! Oh, man, really? You think, ugh. (laughs) Dylan Baker created the Owen character himself. The snorts, facial tics, and twisted expressions are all his own making. Luli Newcomb, who played his silent wife, said it was extremely difficult to keep a straight face while filming the scene with him. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that at all. (laughs) At the beginning of the movie, Neil Page, Steve Martin, races a character played by Kevin Bacon for a taxi. Later, Neil phones his wife to tell her that he has been delayed again. In the background, you can hear the fight from She's Having a Baby, 1980, also directed by John Hughes between Bacon and Elizabeth McGovern, where she screams that she doesn't like his friend's girlfriend. That same Elizabeth McGovern who plays Cora, it's Cora from Downton Abbey. She plays Robert's wife. Oh, I love Downton Abbey. I can't wait for the second movie to come out next year. So, of course, the exterior of the rental car was designed to resemble that of the Griswold station wagon from John Hughes's previous production, National Lampoon's Vacation. A scene that is not included in the movie but featured in the trailer shows Dell in the bathroom of the first motel he and Neil are staying in. In the scene, he does, among other things, an impersonation of Elvis Presley in which he sings into a hairbrush. I want to see if I can find that trailer on YouTube with some of these deleted scenes. Okay, here's another way this could have went. John Hughes originally wanted Tom Hanks for the role of Neil Page and John Travolta for the role of Del Griffith. Hanks was unavailable since he was busy shooting the movie Big in 1988, and Paramount executives did not want Travolta in the movie because he was considered a box office poison? Are you fucking kidding me? Now imagine this movie, if you will, with Tom Hanks, amazing actor, and John Travolta as Del. Gosh, I don't know if I can picture that. I mean, we all know and love Tom Hanks, but can he go, like, irritated like Neil? I'm trying to think of all the Tom Hanks movies I've seen over the years, and the only thing I can even think would even come close to Neil would be Tom Hanks' Scott Turner from Turner and Hooch, who has major OCD issues in that movie, and he's just really agitated by any little thing that's out of place. So, I don't know. (laughs) I honestly don't. I just can't picture that. Let's see. Let's see what else here. Let me pause this so you guys aren't. Here's another deleted scene that never got made it to the film. 
Neil and Dell were going to go into a strip club to find a phone after their car caught fire. Actress Deborah Lamb, not sure who she is, who had been featured in the scene, had no idea her scene was cut until the final, uh, the official screening of the film. Ugh. This is the film debut of Dylan Baker. Oh my, he looks so young. Compared to what he looks like now, he's like so young. John Candy uses the same line in two movies. I know it's not pretty to look at, but it'll get you where you want to go. He also says that about the car. He says it about the car to the police officer. He also says it in Cool Runnings when revealing the team's bobsled for the first time. When Dal Griffith clears his sinuses in the motel room, his nose is whistling sounds sounds out the final chords to shave and a haircut. Here's another actor who would have been considered, was, was in fact considered for Del Griffith, John Goodman. Now, he would have been in Roseanne at the time. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, by that time, it's like he's Dan Connor, and it's like, but then again, he was also in the Flintstones and the movie The Bay, or was it The Babe? It was. It was about Babe Ruth. I remember seeing that movie. Yes, and I will even admit to watching the movie King Ralph. Jeremy cannot believe it. I'm like, I rented movies from, <laughs> basically, the movie selection was one wall of movies that had probably been out for over, like, five years or more. Rick Moranis was considered for the role of Neil. I can't. Okay, here's an example. Okay, I've seen a handful, you know, Honey, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movies. You know, that little trilogy I've seen. Let's see what else. Um, The only, honestly, the only movie I've seen with Rick Moranis as a character, not like Wayne Selinski, that I can attest to, is going to be um, from the movie Parenthood, which I definitely want to do that for the podcast. What the fuck was his name in that movie? Nathan! His name was, he played a character named Nathan who was just, uh, he was just kind of an asshole. He's too big into making his kid a child prodigy at age four or three or however old the girl was, but... It's like trying to come up with like roles I've seen these characters in that could even be even remotely close to like Neil's character being aggravated. I could just see, you know, Rick Moranis' character as Nathan in 1989's Parenthood. The speech John Candy gives is parodied in the Family Guy episode Baby Not On Board in Seasons. I remember that also Home Alone, I believe, is also parodied as well. In the three-hour cut, of the film, the Raidwood Inn sequence was much longer. Scenes included Dell ordering pizza and a six-pack of beer, using money he takes out of Neil's wallet. This incident is mentioned in dialogue in the final film. He only gives a delivery boy a dollar tip, then delivery boy hangs around the hotel lobby, then returns to- Oh, shit! Where he 
returns to break into their room to rob them. The break-in remains in the final cut, but without the context of who it is, making it seem like he is a random burglar. <gasps> that makes so much sense now, having that explained. Holy shit. Neil reluctantly eats pizza, even though he asked for a salad, which the pizza place didn't have, according to Dell. Dell opens a beer, spreads it all over the bed all over the bed sheets since he left the six-pack of beer on the vibrating bed mentioned in dialogue in the finished film. So these things make sense. Okay, of the scenes that were cut that they, these incidents are being mentioned after. All right. That's right, I miss the after-credits scene. Neil's boss is still at his desk analyzing the ads, his Thanksgiving dinner sitting on his desk. Still, this guy is looking at these ads, not even to decide which one to go with. Oh, shit. Okay, warning spoilers. When sitting in the refrigerator truck towards the end of the film, Dell has a black eye. This is in reference to a deleted scene where after Dell and Neil are arrested by the state trooper and they leave the jailhouse, Dell mentions not having bought insurance for the rental car they destroyed as a result. Neil deaths him. Fuck! Dell! You didn't get insurance? You always, always, always get insurance with a rental car. You don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Shit could go down. You're going to be screwed. You're never going to be able to rent a car again. Oh, my gosh. Well, that, okay, because I was under the impression that that trucker punched Dell. So, I'm wrong. I am a, I a 100%. Yeah, gotcha. Had, okay, this is. A spoiler, but maybe it could be someone's opinion. Had Neil and Dale just stayed at the airport, they probably would have made it back to Chicago just in time. A scene played shortly after shows after shows Neil's wife watching the news, which said that O'Hare is clearing up. Well, it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. You know, that's what, that's the whole catch-22 thing. Like, you don't realize something until after, like, oh, if we'd have just done this, that's what happened. It's like, well, it's after the fact now, so I don't know what to, what to tell you. Okay, um, like I like to do with some of my movie reviews, I always like to read a 10 out of 10 review and then a, like, uh, really low score because I like to, like, see how wrong people are. <laughs> um, let's see. 10 out of 10. This is from, oh my gosh, this is from uh, October 11th, 2021. The journey is even better than the trip. I love that title. Like all important universally recognized holidays, in this case, the American tradition of Thanksgiving, the template for success is always based on careful planning and biologically infused nerves of steel. I like this review already. See, someone took the time and really thought this up. Holiday celebrations get even more dicey when any type of travel must occur in order to unite, in order to unite family or friends. If you then toss in bad weather and the inevitable transportation delays, which usually accompany it, practically anyone could fall victim to one of the most understood spectators of all, fate. Planes, trains, and automobiles is where the genius of the late winter producer and director John Hughes truly shines. At first, you are like Peter Pan, merrily soaring over Neverland, carefree and light as a feather. And then, bang! Something goes very wrong, and all you can do is helplessly look on as your carefully constructed plans begin to slowly unravel and eventually sink into the GHF, GHV Great Holiday Void. You suddenly, oh my gosh, okay, <laughs> it's like, how long is this review? <laughs> okay, 
You suddenly discover that your once orderly and peaceful world has radically morphed into Dante's Inferno, but instead of hell being comprised of nine concentric circles of torment, it is instead a hell whose fiery welcome mat blazes. If anything can go wrong, it will. Hughes' 1987 comedy is fairly straightforward. Two shipwrecked businessmen, Neil, Neil Page and Del Griffith, are trying to return to their respective homes to celebrate Thanksgiving with their loved ones. Even as the fates seem to conspiratorially sabotage their ambitious efforts at every turn, you can call planes, trains, and automobiles a quintessential Thanksgiving comedy. And you'd be correct. You could also say that PT&A is a type of odyssey, a road trip perhaps teeming with frustrating disappointments and unexpected revelations about oneself. But no matter how you perceive this wonderful, absurdly funny film, you will likely come away with the belief that PTNA has no equal in its particular class. I'd like to think that if you looked up the word classic in the dictionary, the front and center description will flash planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can find like a really low rated one. Like a two. Let's see here. There we go. We got a one out of ten. Titled Outdated and Overrated. This is from January 5th of 2021. This film has seemingly been praised by critics and fans alike, but do not see such reasons for these praises. Found the film to be quite lacking in comedy and very forced. Steve Martin's character is too unlikable, while John Candy is better, but even so, the comedy isn't funny. Featuring a very simple and predictable story, everything is laid out quite obvious. Everything that can't go wrong does go wrong. Strongly do not understand the high price for this film and didn't find anything quite funny. More so sad and depressing, if anything, is quite overrated and not a classic as many claims. Okay, I gotta say something about that. <clears throat> as they say, everyone's always entitled to their own opinion all that shit. So... My guess is this is one of those types of people that left this review that is like a 20-something that is more revered on the comedies of Knocked Up and let's see, what are some of those other comedies? Pineapple Express, um, comedies like that stuff, which I'm not calling them shit because I haven't seen them, but people are, this person is probably more raised on these type of comedies that came out in like the 2010s and onward versus something that came out in 1987. This person clearly was born probably in the year 2000 or probably on the cusp of the end of the 90s where they, yeah, it's just like, whatever, you like what you like. And the fact that you're just like, oh, it's stale, it's not good, it's not funny. It's like, you are too young to appreciate the comedic gold that is of the 80s and 90s comedies that I grew up on. I mean, I grew up on kids' movies where funny, ha-ha, someone got kicked in the fucking nuts, punched in the nuts, what have you, fart jokes, all that shit of the kids' movies. Yeah, I grew up on that shit. So, that person, whatever, your review is your review. Ugh. The fact that it's just like, oh, it's stale, it's overused, blah, 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 like, whatever. Okay, so real quick, <laughs> I'm going to tell you on going home from Michigan on the trip to go to my grandma's funeral and everything. So, okay, 
my plane wasn't supposed to take off until pff, I thought it was like three. So I'm like, all right, I'll get there probably like, you know, probably ten, eleven. So I get there with the car rental, and <laughs> the guy's like, oh, you can just like park in between two cars. And I, I, I said, I don't know how to parallel park. Can you do it for me? And the guy's like, okay, sure, just leave it there. My first time around returning a rental car went a lot better. The guy was nice. You're like, hey, don't worry about it. If you want to park there, I'll take care of it for you. Even got my bag out for me. This other guy looks like some kid who's fresh out of high school that don't give a shit about nothing in life and just badass customer service. Not badass, just an ass in customer service. So, I mean... The guy's attitude was just, he didn't give a fuck about nothing, which, you, you're dealing with car rentals and shit like that. You're dealing with the public. You don't want to work in customer service, then go do something fucking else. So, did that, got the car dropped off, got checked in and all that good stuff. Went absolutely fine, was not busy, got through security, no big deal, sat down, all right, good. So I'm like, okay, everything's going great. It's getting close to time to eventually. Then I get that it's delayed. You know, it's just a little delay. And this is where I'm actually decided to do a layover flight because it was cheaper. I don't know why the hell. I don't know. It was just when I was booking, and I was booking fast, like. I had to be there on a certain day. I had two days to be able to lock this down and all that shit. So, yeah, I'm like, okay, it's cheaper. Just do a layover in Minneapolis and then take that to, you know, uh, DFW. So, I got to meet a connecting flight at this time, right, to get on the one to DFW. So, and then I find out the flight has been delayed, like, and I call Jim, like, I don't know what the hell to do. You know, I've never been in this situation. It's like, fuck. Luckily enough, the airport, thankfully, took it upon themselves to rebook me at a different time on a different flight. So that way, it's all said and done. They took care of it. They took care of it all, which, yes, I was getting in close to nine instead of getting in at five. Not a big deal. What? Whatever. It's, it's cool. It's cool. So get on the plane, getting ready to, you know... Got to Minneapolis, like, all right, I got some time to kill. I got some Mickey D's. I'm like, hey, I'm in Minnesota. May as well check out some gift shops, get the old Minnesota shirts, a shit ton of magnets like I do. Got that stuff. Then I'm like, oh, gosh, my gate is way, like, way fucking. I mean, I could have taken that little tram thing, but I'm like, I'm not even going to touch that because I don't want to end up wherever. You know, I'm in an airport. I don't know where the fuck. I've never been before. So I'll just, I'll fucking walk. I'll walk. I'll walk off my Mickey D's. So get there. Okay. Good, good, good. Get on the, go down the aisle once I'm on the plane. Like, where's my seat? And I'm like, okay, good. I'm by in the aisle. No, the other two people ahead of me, like, no, actually, read up here where it says the seat assignment here. You're by the window. I'm like, sit down, feeling semi claustrophobic. And then I got my phone out. And I'm like, fuck. 
bone falls down by my leg on the floor. And you know there's only so much room between you and the seat in front of you. And I'm trying to feel with my leg. I'm trying to like, <laughs> like, you know, I know they want you to put, you know, this is all before it takes off, the plane takes off and all that stuff. So I guess I feel bad for bugging the guy behind me, like, was on his laptop like hey can you see my phone down there i think it fell like under my seat and he's like yeah it's like literally i can see it's right by your foot so i like try to like move my foot to get the phone to where i can reach down and grab it and like all right cool so and they actually had movie options in the seat in front of me there was a screen on all the flights i've been on which probably can equal to maybe like 10 over the, since 2009 maybe less than that um, <laughs> never had this option before, so of course, my headphones aren't gonna work, you're gonna buy the special ones, they're only $2, like, okay, cool, 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 so I was like, alright, let's see, they got a, a shit ton of movies, could've watched Paw Patrol, again, you know, the movie, even though I already recently had seen it on the big screen, I'm like, no, 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 I'll wait, I'll wait, so I'm like, oh, they got the bodyguards, so I'm like, okay, cool, I'll watch that, and then I just... And then another really awesome option that they had on there is you could actually watch the flight destination. Like, you can, like, hit a button, like, okay, here's the plane, here's your destination over here, here's, like, how fast the plane's going, how many miles it's traveled already, how many miles it still has, how much time until you reach your destination. <laughs> I thought that was pretty fucking cool. So, Yeah. All right, uh, I hope you all enjoyed this <laughs> movie. I I honestly did. I've been wanting to do this on the podcast for at least the last couple years. I'm like, all right, this is my shot. I'm going to jump on it. You know, we got Jeremy and I, we got our annual watch done. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to review it for the podcast. So, again, I hope you enjoyed it. I love this movie. It's such, I honestly, if you know any other Thanksgiving movies just for me to watch just for myself, not the podcast, I would love to because there aren't that many. There's, so many Christmas movies out there, but how many movies actually are, I mean, if you want to go out on a stretch and say the movie The Ice Storm with Kevin Klein and um, Sigourney Weaver, Elijah Wood, Christina Ricci, Tobey Maguire is a Thanksgiving movie. I mean, they sit down to Thanksgiving. It's a movie that's set in the 70s. It's by Ang Lee, who also did the Brokeback Mountain movie, so, which is also a good movie. Um, yeah. Quinny's playing with the only toy out of all the toys I've bought her over her eight years of life. This is the only toy she seems to have an interest in, which is this little carrot toy catnip thing. Right, Quinn? You're a crazy cat, aren't you, girl? What are you doing over there? Hey! What are you doing? Oh, okay. Play with your toy. <laughs> what a goob. All right, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving. Bye-bye.